Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Big Week in Gaming podcast. And what do you know? It's been a big week in gaming. No, I'm Intercott for episode 79 on Sunday, the 8th of May, 2022. In this week's show, we'll be discussing Square Enix selling off some of their biggest non-Japanese studios and IP, Kanye West pitching a game to Nintendo's Shigeru Miyamoto, and I review ex-Nintendo of America president Reggie fils new book, Disrupting the Game. As always, I'm joined by the ever-increasingly rude Mike. Woo! Yeah! And Swinny. You're really poking the bear there, Mike. <laughs> I am, I love it. As always, you can find our links in the description or at bigwigpod.com. I actually listened to last week's, well, you know, a couple of days ago, I should say, Elden mm. Ring review, and you talking in the intro was so annoying. Oh shit. I was actually listening to it. I'm like, man, people must listen to this stuff and go, fuck this guy. What is he you doing? You reckon? Yeah, oh, Mike, I just want to see what I need to do to get kicked off the show. Mike, I don't know if you realize how much you can hear you over the music when you do that. Yeah, it's like super like loud. <laughs> yeah, but do regular people of the podcast want to hear that intro over and over again every week? Let's no, but, do a poll. No, but, Let's wait. find out. What would Mike, they rather Mike have? Mike has never listened to the podcast, right? So Swinney and I have just like oh, listen to, to this listen one. to it back. And I was listening to it. I'm like, oh my God, that's so aggravating. Like it's so okay. loud. Noted. <laughs> no, noted and will object Let, later. Let's, uh, let's ask our number one fan. Let's see Joe in Jags. the chat. Let's see what the what chat do you think? What, what do you think? What do you think, Joe? Tell us. Do you, do you prefer just the music every every week or do you prefer... Some interruptions I, I from yours truly. I would suspect Joe just wants to watch the world burn. Yeah, okay, exactly. So. That's <laughs> I know he's chosen that person on purpose. All right, Sweeney, you have a correction? Yes, it. I have actually a correction, but it, because it relates to the spoiler section of our Elden Ring review last week, I can't actually talk about it. So technically, in canon, oh. I didn't get anything wrong. There well, we I've go. deleted That's the spoiler. <laughs> I, uh, by the way, don't say spoiler. Mm. It's spoiler. 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 That's the canon of the show. So, now. so that's so no correction. That's. But that's, can you can you nothing. correct yourself without spoiling it? Mm, no, not <laughs> not really. really. <laughs> no, it's, it's right. that much of a spoiler. We'll have to do a point release of that episode. Seventy-eight point five point one, and you have to correct it. All right. But so, I do have a. I do have a question though. Oh. It's a question I wanted to watch last episode, but Mike wasn't here, and I'm like, I'm I'm going to wait. I'm going to park this important question, <laughs> incredibly game related, until Mike's here because I just wanted to I wanted to get his take on this mm-hmm. incredibly important topic. And the question is, do you mix milk? Now, I, I want to cla- I want to explain this. So yeah, let's say you let's say yeah. you've got two bottles of milk, one's nearly empty, and let's say you want something like a bowl of cereal that requires more milk than you have in the older milk. Okay. Do you put part of do you, do you mix the two together? Do you mix the new batch and the old batch, knowing that one is like probably near date and the other one is brand new, or do you say I'm going to start afresh? So there's no mixing of these two batches of milk. Oh, I've got a I've got a clarifying question for this. Yes. So what are the what are the volumes? Are we talking about there's a like two liter volume of milk, fresh milk, and you're adding in the old milk to that, or is it into a no, glass? No. Is it into a specific glass to drink? It's 
into a glass or into, let's say, a bowl of cereal. Okay, I think it, that that's super critical. Yeah, yeah, I've done that for sure. Okay, okay. Yeah. Mike, do you, do you ever mix two batches of milk? To, okay, uh... story time. So, <laughs> when I was born, probably because no, Please of... don't say about breast milk, but yeah, go on. Is it uh, mixed breast milk and goat milk or something? No, 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 I never did that. But when I was born, quite possibly because of what happened in Chernobyl, my mom couldn't provide titty milk for me. <laughs> however, 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 I ended up getting, getting titty milk from seven different women, according to her, including a gypsy witch, including a gypsy witch. I was just nonstop titty milk coming straight at me. It was it was amazing as a, as a baby, I guess. I don't remember any of that, but I was told by my mum that it actually happened. So, I wish, I wish to cut a long story short, yes, I, I think wish, mixing milk is fine. I wish we could have the title <laughs> "Breastfed by Seven Women." I hey, it's not- a true story, by the way. I, of all places, I was not expecting this discussion to go that far. Um, it's, it's very true. And by the way, might I add, I actually drank milk straight from a cow's udder as well. I've done that. I've done yeah, that as well. I'm, That's I amazing. The majority of this show has done that. That was really good. Uh, please, please, someone. You're missing give, out, Swinney. Make it's a gift for that animation, and, please. And warm. Yeah, exactly. mm. yeah, put something else. Photoshop something else in there. Something. Please don't. I'm I'm I am a picky eater in general, but for yeah, some reason much. the whole milk thing has just always put me off. The idea of mil- milk obviously turns, right? It turns over time, yeah. and just the idea of mixing two batches of milk together has always just really irked me. So oh. that's why I knew it was a weird thing that I never did, and that's why I just wanted to check with you guys because I don't think I've ever asked you in all the years no. I've known you. <laughs> so you don't? Like, you, why not you never ask mix you? it? No, no. Okay. I, I, if I can avoid it, like if I'm like, look, wow, OCD to that. But what do you want? So done you just it, but... th- are you just an environmental destructive person and throw it out? No, no. I'll use that other milk cup, but I won't ever mix it with other milk. So I might. But just you're drinking it anyway. Glass. What's the difference? I don't understand. No, but it's just the, that's what I'm saying. It's a logical, just the, the yeah. weirdness of mixing yeah, two really batches of milk. But I get it. Just is a little weird to me because they're hmm. both at different stages of turning into average, whatever they do. You average into. it out, right? So, anyway. But I thought you were talking about like adding it into an existing milk. No, that who cares? No, 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 that's different. What? That will turn the whole thing. That would because that's that got like things oh, added back to the bottle. No, yeah. no, that's got like bacteria and all yeah. stuff in yeah. it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Ferment, fermentation. <laughs> and, that's yeah. a good way to make cheese or something like that. Yeah. Delicious. Uh, what do they call uh, like back to your seven women? What do they call? Uh, what? Are, there's a name for it. I can't remember. Wet nurse. It's wet nurse, right? I don't think they were actual nurses. I think it was just said random women at the hospital. And I was like, give me all the titties. And I did. I got all of them, probably. No, but I think that's what the term is called, you idiot. I don't I mean, know what it's called. I, I'm kind of saying to you. I'm pretty, okay, yeah, I just checked it. Wet nurse it is. Yeah. It's where... Welcome to the... Uh, <laughs> Welcome milk. to the wet nurse. Welcome to the milk podcast. <laughs> the only podcast... About milk on the entire <laughs> internet, probably. We, Sweeney, we need to figure out. Can we? Can we have the title as Seven Wet Nurses? <laughs> I'm sure there's some variation of like at the rate this show is going, we're probably going to have a hundred different episode Ooh. titles to choose. I should from. just shut up. Uh, <clears throat> all right, let's get into the main body of the show, and this is a bit of an update and an announcement, Sweeney. Yeah, so we we've been talking about game with some other year 995 for a while, but. The last uh, feature we did, we're in the middle of the nominee features. For anyone who doesn't know, 
Game of Samadhi 1995 is where we go back to a year, so we chose 1995 this time. Um, you know, selected a nom, you know, a bunch of nominees, and we're going to play through them, and then we're going to select what is the best game of some other year, aka 1995. And we'd gone through, so we'd already done our features on Worms, Full Throttle, uh, Yoshi's Island, Donkey Kong Country 2, and we did Chrono Trigger a few weeks ago, but even that got delayed for a while. And the sixth nominee that we haven't done our feature yet for was Earthbound. Hmm. So in the last month or so, I think all of us have we've talked between each other and kind of given some you know the fact that we've had some frustrations with the game um i i'm still enjoying earthbound quite a bit mm. but you you're a some... mad rpg fan like like we mm. have to give that context for new yeah. people yeah but and in You'd saying that anything. i was never <laughs> i wasn't the strongest proponent of that being one of the nominees in the first place so i put my we... hand up i was the one who who said it so we we quickly had a chat last week, but we didn't. We thought we'd actually bring it up on the show about the whether or not we're there actually enjoying playing through a game and the whole thing of playing through a game because you are obligated to and you feel forced to and you're not having fun. You know what's the point? We do this show <laughs> sounds for like fun. life. We sh- we do this show for fun, and there have been a few times when we've had to play games and we're just not feeling it. Mm. And I get the impression, and you guys can obviously share your your thoughts, that Earthbound is one of them um, that we're we're kind of almost forcing ourselves through it a bit. So yeah, and I, like I give a lot of credit to Mike, as as lazy as Mike mm-hmm. is sometimes, he is true to himself. Of like, I'm not liking this stuff. It, I'm not doing it, and that that's a quality that I think I definitely need to adopt a little bit more because this game, I I've played it for like 15 hours, and honestly, it's been it's become miserable, right? Shit. So, oh, how long have you played it? Have you been playing it? Nowhere near that, like maybe four? Yeah. So I'm not Five. even a fan of Undertale. I tried to play Undertale multiple times. It just doesn't click with me, that game, right? And Earthbound, like it looks amazing, sounds amazing. Like there's all the elements are, are really cool. I love the character designs, but I just find it so grindy and so just annoying the way it's like structured and just, I'm not having a good time with it at all. And I'm like, oh my God, there's like another 20 hours of this game to beat it. I'm yeah. like, this is miserable. I know I know, we're not doing like an in-depth feature of Earthbound right now, but you know, the inventory system is the thing that's just been really annoying me, the fact that it's so limited and you're just oh. constantly having to swap things back and forth. And- yeah, I'm constantly like running out of like health items or like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to like put health items in there. So then I can't have other items. And it's like, I feel like I don't have enough spots for anything. So what are we doing? Are we killing Earthbound? I look. We still we have our six nominees, um, but we also had like a wider top ten of and including four games that we we're just going to make a top ten. You know, so we could say this is a top ten of twenty. Uh, sorry, nineteen ninety five. Okay. Um, I guess we can potentially pull in one of the games from that four if we feel that that's right, or we can just relook at some of the ones that were kind of on the on the outskirts and decide yeah. what game should actually be brought in as a six if if found is not going to be one of our nominees because um, just to reiterate so the 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 six so earthbound was one chrono trigger donkey kong country 2 full throttle uh, uh yoshi's island and worms so i think five of those we're totally happy with to keep i think we're bumping uh, like earthbound out of that six spot yeah mm. And look, I don't think we're going to go to the effort of going and back and playing these games, honestly. Well, I mean, we can do what we want, really. But um, I think that 
you know, obviously I was trying to really push for Secret of Evermore at the time when we we're doing the nominees, yeah. but I also understand that. that we, you know, we already got Chrono Trigger in there. I guess Earthbound's an RPG, so it'd be swapping an RPG for an RPG. But I'm ha- I'm happy to to look at the other options if you guys There is a Might of Magic. Yeah. Because what were the other... So we had Heroes of Might and Magic. Yeah, Earthworm Jim 2. Earthworm Jim 2 and I think Warcraft. Heroes of Might and Magic. I've got it. Secret of Evermore and Warcraft 2. Warcraft 2. Ooh, Warcraft 2. To me, Warcraft 2 is way above Earthbound. I've played all of these games apart from Heroes of Might and Magic. I'm I'm voting that. I'm happy to put Warcraft 2 in. All right. All right. Dunsky. All right. We swapped it out. Earthbound is out. (laughs) We're going to have so many haters. I know. Probably. (laughs) And then we're bringing in Warcraft 2. Sorry. So there you go. So uh, I guess um, we will decide. You know, I don't know if we if we're going to do a feature on Warcraft Two. We can we can figure that out. Um, but obviously, the the whole po- end point is to get to a final Ghost Story ninety ninety five episode where we can decide which one. You know, and we were kind of stuck in in uh, in place trying to figure out what to do there. So mm. sweet. Cool. All right, it is done. It nice. is eliminated. <laughs> Earthbound right, is officially a horrible game. <laughs> we're moving on to what we're on playing. with my life. <laughs> Very good. And Mike, what's the one or two games you've been playing this week? <sighs> so you know how I, I go from, uh, I don't want to play any games because I have a life, blah, 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 to I'm just going to try a whole bunch of games because I want to see if anything clicks. So I've been playing. Let me just listen. So, Mike, can I just what? ask? I've got one thing before you get in. I know you yeah. always cut off and I've cut you off. That's now, fine. But... Cut me off all you want. I don't care. When... There was a chance you might not have been on the show this, tonight, but you are, right? So that's. I am indeed. When you were talking about that, you're like, oh, pretty much just playing Elden Ring. And that was like two days ago. So I'm just trying to uh, wonder did you just mm. forget that you played like no, 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 60 no, no. bazillion games? When you said <laughs> I just posted that? them all in the chat. Because, so because I didn't. So I played them over the course of about the last week and a okay. bit. Okay. But they're not. And I'll, I will tell you why they're not games I would specifically talk about during the Elden Ring thing. Because I didn't play them long enough. I kind of installed and played them for <laughs> a few minutes each and went, ah, I can't be bothered with this. Okay. Like, All probably right. half an hour tops of each, each one of these. It probably took longer to download than I actually did to play them. Anyway, so, Project Cars 3... Are you really which... going to go through all 15? No, no, no. no I'll quickly, I want to give a quick snippet about each one, okay? And the reason why I stopped playing them. So, <laughs> you're going to Cars... talk about them as long as you've played them, but yeah, go on. Pretty much as long as i played this. Project Cars 3 went off the rails. It's an arcade kind of game now. Not the, the good simmy kind of game that number two was. Not my thing. I tried to get into it, couldn't. Uh, Forza 7 decided to put it on PC for whatever reason, just because I could play it in a different room. Great. Played that a little bit, got bored because I already clocked it. Deponia, because I wanted to start the series again. You guys know I love Deponia, yeah? Let me, let me just have a sip of my coffee as well. I, I know what is on your coffee cup, by the way, you dickhead. <laughs> okay, right, This next. is the preparation well, he does. This is the shit he prepares for. I didn't prepare for it, I just did it now. Well, that anyway. makes, that's consistent. No, uh, num- the next one on the list, Borderlands 3. Great game and everything. I just can't be bothered. I don't know why. I mean, you're a big you're a big Borderlands fan, Swinney. You played all of them. I think you... Did you get Tiny Tina's Wonderland? I forget. No, not yet. I'm waiting. Not yet. For- cool. No. Waiting for uh, it to be free on great game, game Pass. Can't be bothered. Neo. Got to the first major boss, gave up. Too hard. 
not really that hard. I actually got way further in that game than this. It's it's not that bad. I I, I was itching to play something else Souls related after you know finishing Elden Ring. <laughs> like way too I, hard. No, it wasn't that hard. Yeah, it wasn't hard that. enough. No, no, it's it's actually not that hard. It's not that bad. Um, <laughs> if I kept, I, I played it before. I went way further than that last time. Um, anyway, Unsold. Uh, wasn't a huge fan. Something about it. Actually, I know what it is. The tutorial is way too long. I don't know if you've tried that one yet, Swinny, for your... Oh, you'll have to give it a crack because it's on, it's on Game Pass. Too many tutorials at the start. That is a lesson in over-tutorializing the start of a game where you're like, you know what, too much. I can't be bothered playing anymore. Uh, Subnautica, because for some reason I, I was just itching in that moment to play some survival kind of game. And it's always something that I started, never really finished. Again, started, probably will not finish. Anyway, back to my itching about playing a Souls game. I decided to install Dark Souls 2 on Xbox this time. Uh, again, got to the first boss, went, ah, screw it, after I got killed. <sighs> anyway, managed to get Skyward Sword HD on Switch, because uh, it was cheap. And I don't know, like you into God, I just, I'm struggling to really get into that game. I don't know if it's the controls, I don't know if I just can't be bothered with... I don't know what it it's is. It's me, what do you mean it's me? God, you because talk about you, long, you you talk about long it, tutorials. Remember? You talk about long tutorials. That is like the king of that is a very. Long but tutorial, I liked it. Yes. I reviewed it. I finished it all. Yeah, look, I'm gonna keep playing it. I'm gonna keep playing it. But it <laughs> I don't know why you're roping me. Just like you, it's I don't know. I remember. I remember the the first impression you had when you first talked about it when you grabbed it. You weren't. It didn't really grab you that much, if I recall correctly. I think we both we both gave our thoughts and we both said. Oh, Scott was all, it's a good game. Yeah, pretty much. Whatever, that's not what I remember. You're both wrong. Shut up. <laughs> we'll, we'll insert it right now, what we said. <laughs> okay. Put it in. Uh, right, so... <laughs> that's what she said. Uh, <laughs> uh, Pillars of Eternity on Switch. Uh, I thought I'd give that a crack because I got it ages ago. It's actually pretty good for the Switch. The problem is I get I get overloaded with what the hell class do I pick because this it's so different. It's not, <laughs> it's not like a typical kind of game where you can just do whatever and it's fine. They're quite vastly different. So I tried a bunch of different classes, tried doing the entire starting era with different classes just to get a feel for them. And then I'm like, you know what? I don't even want to play the rest of this. Uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, which I started ages ago, got pretty far into it. I think I'm like 60, 66% of the, the way through the game, according to the, the thing. Amazing game, but I couldn't figure out what the controls are. I totally forgot how to play it. <laughs> so then I just uninstalled it. It's like 100 gigs or something. Anyway, then there's a few <laughs> games that I actually decided to to play and I'll probably stick with. So the following three, I think I will stick to and, and hopefully finish. So the first one is Days Gone on PS5, which is obviously the PS4 version that is upgraded for PS5. Um, my kind of game, I gotta say, my kind of game. Uh, I'm really digging it so mm. far. I love the stealth in it, love the, the setting. You know, you guys know me, I love post-apocalyptic zombie games and shit like that. So I think I'm gonna stick with this one. How, um, how far into that game are you? Because Not that far, why? Oh, okay, I don't wanna spoil it, but that game, there's a feature in that game that they've put, I think it's like two thirds through the game where mm -hmm. everyone's like, this should have been at the start of the game because it's like an amazing part of the game. Oh. But people don't okay. get to it because they kind of like, it didn't perform that well. Like the uh, the actual performance of the game was pretty choppy on the PS4. Okay, so, but they fixed all yeah, that. Yeah, in. yeah, oh, exactly. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, no, be interested to, to see what you think of it. Um, so, so that one I'll hope I'll stick with. Now, here's one that I didn't <laughs> talk to you guys much about. Blossom Tales, um, I believe it's called. It's a... 
a Zelda clone. Yeah, I know what it is. On the Switch. And it's I mean, style, it's right? a Zelda clone. Yeah, it's six ninety nine. So far, I highly recommend it. I have to actually, you guys are going to hate me for this, but I actually prefer it over Zelda. If you beat that and the fact that you didn't beat Link to the Past, I will defriend you. Oh. 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 Okay, I'll get to the end honest. and I won't, I won't finish it. Thank no, you. It just, it, it, just, it just clicked with me more. Maybe the humor in it or something. I don't know, because of the way it's told. And, and that was the story a joke, by stuff. the way. I'm not really going to defriend you. Well, I don't know. Defriend you. Defriend But I highly recommend it. If you, if you have a Switch, and of course, if you're into Zelda, or even if you're not, because I'm not. It's yeah, a it's a really you, cool fun game. You really need to give Link to the Past a proper try, man. I might you have to go really back to that and give it a proper try. I tried, like, Ben. I tried. I think he'd like Link's Awakening more, to be honest. Or Link's Awakening, but yeah. I just know that and he shorter. like didn't know where to go or like no, that that's right. He got to a certain part and he, he just got quit, bored. Quit the yeah. game and he's like, I, I don't I know did. what to do. It's too many other games that actually captivate me and then I just couldn't like what? couldn't get into it. Like Trek to Yomi. Well, uh, actually, to be honest, Trek to Yomi doesn't really <laughs> captivate me all that much, but but it's cool. It's interesting. Oh, so shit. we got some B-roll, I think, for uh, Trek to Yomi, if I'm not mistaken, Mr. B-roll Man. So it's um, so, so no, it's very crazy. It's a, it's not a lot. A lot of stuff makes it look like it's a side-scrolling kind of game. It's not. Um, it goes into multiple perspectives, but it is generally sort of, especially in battle so far, a a 2D plane, and it's it's set in Japan. Um, all black and black and white um, to emulate that classic Japanese era of filmmaking. Um, and look, mixed feelings about it. I think the aesthetic is really cool, really interesting. Um, but I find the gameplay is just a little lacking. Um, there's something about the the attacks not feeling like they're connecting as well. Um, it, 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 it some, something about it feels a little shallow in terms of the combat. But at the same time, I am compelled to keep playing it because I, I love this kind of um, it's reminiscent of something like Inside, if if you guys or or yeah. um, any of those kind of games, but with actual combat, uh, which is is super cool. Um, so mixed reviews, not just for me. I think overall in the internet, it, it's got quite mixed reviews. But I do recommend it so far. I think it's quite cool. I yes, I I gave this a little bit of a shot as well. Not much, but um, it is a beautiful game. But what I found, at least in the early parts, I found it hard to tell because of the visual style, sometimes it's hard to tell what you can interact with in the environment mm. or what's an exit on the screen. And even things okay. like the save shrines I found were actually difficult to identify as you're walking around. Interesting. But the, the I biggest, didn't have that issue. The biggest issue for me, though, is the fact that this game needs serious, seriously needs some accessibility options in terms of its subtitles and things. There's a lot of times when it <laughs> will put... It's a bit violent, Mike. It will put... It will put white subtitles over a white background, and there's Ooh. it's it's basically it's so difficult to read some of the stuff, and because by default it puts it in Japanese language um, audio, which, which you'd expect, well. yeah, which is really cool by the way, yeah, which yeah. which you'd want to probably play for this style of game with the setting, but that means you have to read the the subtitles unless you know Japanese. So I think they really need to do something there to improve that. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm a bit mixed on this. From I only played the first like hour or so, and yeah, I think Mike, I agree. It just feel the combat feels a little like I don't know. It just doesn't feel like the hits connect very well. Yeah, it's hard to describe it. It's it's a solid it's a solid experience. Just yeah, yeah I, can't, I can't even describe what it is. It's weird. Yeah, but anyway. worth especially on Game Pass, hundred percent worth trying. It's it's a really cool indie game. Um, definitely worth giving it a crack. So that's me. Into uh, God. Yeah, nice. Uh, still trying to get through Fire Emblem Three Houses Cindered Shadows. 
this game is pissing me off. Like, well, this DLC. <laughs> I even started reading the reviews about it, and all the reviews are like, man, this is difficult, this DLC. It's, like, way more difficult than the most difficult setting in the main game. I'm like, ah, oh, damn it. And <laughs> I'm actually like, all right, I don't care. I'm going to get input about the strategy that you need to go into these fights. There's, like, nothing on the internet. It's, like... Feels very old mm-hmm. school. It feels like I'm back in the SE, uh, Super NES games where it's like you're kind of just piecing things together. There's no like definitive fighting cowboy style, you know, that is the best way to go. So, like, literally, I'll go on these wiki guides and stuff and it'll be like, oh, these are the troops. It's like, cool, cool, cool. Okay, that gives me a bit of information. And then there's a strategy section and it's just blank. Like, <laughs> no one's put anything there. I'm like, fuck. Like, and it's not that long, but it's just like I'm getting into like a brick wall. Like, honestly, this is like harder than Elden Ring. Like I didn't get stomped on in any part of Elden Ring. Like I am getting stomped on in this bloody DLC. Um, So I'm I'm like getting so frustrated. I'm like, I might just go back to the main game where I'm stuck in as well. (laughs) Like it's horrible. Um, Outside of that, also still playing God of War. I started playing Kirby's Dreamland on the Game Mm -hmm. Boy. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I thought I, I just played the latest Kirby game on the Switch might as well try the original. It's like, because Dreamland was the first one, right, Swinney? Or was it or was it the NES one? I think the NES one came afterwards. I That's think. what I always think. I'm pretty sure it started on the handheld. Because the NES one actually came out quite late in the NES's life cycle compared yeah, that, to like yeah. any other game that we took, generally talk about on the NES. Yeah, it's the first, yeah, so 92. And I remember Kirby's Adventure Yeah, on the NES is like 93 from memory. Yeah. Yeah, so yep, that's right. Um, yeah, look, I don't know. I feel like a real dumbass, but I'm playing it and I'm like, wait, like, where's the copy abilities? <laughs> and I'm like, are there no copy abilities in this game at all? Uh, no, I think they added so, that in the second one. Oh, so that's Kirby crazy. started without the copying ability. So yeah. what abilities does he have? Does well, he, he can float? Th- he can, no, he can, th- he can spit the stuff back out of it. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but and it's not a copy float, ability. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, yeah, I'm no, just getting through that, so I'll try to finish that. And then the last one is I have gone back to Switch Sports and, nice. you know, finally my... <laughs> and he's almost a character on the on the show now, but my wife's dad, who's like a bit of a tech head and he loves this kind of stuff, he finally came over to play uh, Switch Sports. And I was so nervous because he's like... He's exactly the person that would throw a Joy-Con into the TV. Mm, like le- that. I'm like legit more worried about him than my kids. Right. <laughs> and then I gave him the Joy-Con and I strapped it in. And then I realized that I gave him the one with the wonky, like, Joy-Con sliding thing. You know, these <gasps> sliding oh. things. This bit here that slides on. He, How much his, does a new TV cost? His one was, like, loose. And I was like, oh, shit, I shouldn't have done that. Anyway. Like, look, Switch Sports, like I said in the review, it, it's it doesn't capture the magic of Wii Sports because that was so unique and new to everyone. But... It's just so easy to just pick it up and give it to people. And it's sort of like, it made me reflect, and I'll talk about the Wii U later, just like how it's almost like you have to explain the Wii U and functionality in Nintendo Land and all those games versus this game is just like, hand it to someone and then they could just kind of like, there's like literally one or two or no buttons to press and you can just play it. Hmm. But one thing is, (laughs) as I mentioned in the review, there's like limited items that go out. Like, you know, and Mike, you hate that stuff. But I was like, oh, I really want to get those items before they expire. So I actually started <laughs> playing like uh, the kind of Battle Royale 
stalling to get the items. I'm like, oh, I gotta get these items. Then I'm like, oh, I don't like losing. I'm very competitive. So I started looking at guides on how to bowl effectively <laughs> to get like, you know, like like consistent strikes and stuff. So I'm trying to practice that. I'm getting pretty close to getting gotta, like strikes on most goes. So. Gotta beat those twelve year olds online <laughs> when you're playing Wii bowling. <laughs> Sorry, sports bowling. And I forgot that the game actually has pro leagues. So now I'm get, now I'm in ranked. So it's like it, it literally is just like any rank thing. Okay. You go up wow. ranks and you get booted back if you don't, you know, get uh, get that step up. So I think there's like A ranks what you need to get in everything. So yeah, I don't know, man. This Switch sports game, it's it's just because I can play it actually on my desk. Like I'll, I'll put the Switch up at work. No, not at work, <laughs> but just when I was doing stuff, prepping for the show and stuff, I had it running. Because it's like, oh, okay, you know, it's my turn to bowl, bowl. It's his new uh, Rocket League. It is his new Rocket I, League. Indeed. Like, Rocket Bowling League. Wow. The soccer in it. Mm. I literally think of Rocket League when I play it. I'm like, all right, there's too many idiots pushing forward. I need to start defending and <laughs> make sure they can't score on us. So. You, just, you just wait for Gravity Goal, Ubisoft's take on Rocket yeah, League. Yeah, you know, that looks all right. There's a few games Uh-oh. that, yeah, look like pretty decent. I was very close to installing Rocket League again as well. So I was like, oh, you know, and you know how I got triggered? There's two, uh, what are they called? Hot Wheel Rocket League cars oh, yeah, that I've I got. got. Those. Yeah. Well, I've got a bunch of them, but I've got two inside of my PC case. Oh, set up. cool. And I saw them and I was like, mm, Rocket League. Wow. <laughs> and I got so close to installing it. I was like, so no. this guy, this guy only puts one fan in his PC. But he puts two Hot Wheel cars in there. Hey, I'd check what my. The- ther- I'll stack my thermals <laughs> up against your thermals. They the uh, they absorb the heat. <laughs> exactly, exactly. If Joe, uh, Joe, if you can hear this, what the f, man? <laughs> and Swinney. Yeah. So uh, look, first I just wanted to talk about uh, two things. So one is a funny moment that happened to me this week. A bit of an embarrassing moment. Mm-hmm. Basically. Where I'm preparing for my Final Fantasy battle system tier list. So, you know, I haven't spoken to Indigo about it, but I'm like, okay, let's see if I can prepare a bit of B roll. So, if we want to show some of the battle system, blah, blah, blah. So, I'm looking up Lightning Returns, Final Fantasy 13. And I'm like, okay, look for some B roll. Like, oh, this clip looks great. The, you know, really good clips of the battle system and then it has, you know, lightning running around. But I couldn't understand the player was just running into walls or just like running up against a light post for like five seconds. And I'm like, what is this idiot doing, man? Like this, the rest of this footage is awesome. And as I go to leave, I glimpse the name of the YouTube channel. It is literally legally blind Final Fantasy Gamer. (laughs) (laughs) That is the name of the YouTube channel. I'm going to take that quote. (laughs) What is this idiot doing? (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, oh no! I'm like, oh, so that's. Uh, I just love the fact they named their channel exactly what it is. It's just great. So that was a bit embarrassing. <laughs> can, I, can I veer into like dangerous territory? Because <laughs> do you guys have you guys ever watched anything from Carl Pilkington, like Ricky uh, Gervais, Carl Pilkington? A little bit here and there, yeah. Yeah, mm. there's something about Carl Pilkington. You know, he he loves the bizarre and, you know, freaks and all this kind of stuff. And it's very, like, non-PC. But I think he's doing it from very, like... He's just fascinated, right? Hmm. And I don't know if you've ever seen... There's a whole bunch of, like, Twitch streamers with, like, disabilities. So, like, they have to play the game with their chin and stuff like that, right? Yeah. And I get, like, fascinated by this shit. I'm, like, watching I'm, like... This motherfucker is so much better than me, and he's fucking beating games with his chin, right? 
And it's not it's not like he's got like a hacked controller. He's got a fucking like regular controller beating it with his chin wow. and nose and shit like that. And I'm, I feel like I'm watching it. I'm like, I don't know. Is this bad that I'm watching this and so fascinated by it? I mean, they're putting themselves cool. out there. Yeah, you know, true. they want people to watch them, yeah. even if it's out of curiosity of how someone does actually yeah. play games. It's like impressive, that, man. So, yeah. yeah, I'm not like laughing at the guy or anything like that. So yeah, I'm just like you're more laughing it's... at yourself for how much you suck. Not That'd even. I was, just, I was just impressed. I was like, wow, this is like really this, I, I, like this. Okay, this is probably the bad part that I'm going to say. It honestly it was way more impressive than anything in the Paralympics. Because to me, it's like, hey, he's competing against me in the same sport and he's beating my ass, fair, right? Fair like, point, yeah. That's, to me, more interesting than, like, you've got a wheelchair. Well, maybe I'll beat you if I was in a wheelchair. No, you wouldn't. So, <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> saying that. Anyway, going back to you, Swinney. Yeah, so I also carved out a bit of space here because I got a Swinney rant. Oh. I, got so, okay. I got so pissed off this week about something that it, um, I'm like, I'm not going to bring it up until the show. I it, need was, steam. It, it annoyed me to no end. I, okay, can we do this as an improvement to the show? I need to do stingers. Like Swinney rant. Swinney rant. And then there needs to be like Mike Random. Yeah, <laughs> grinds my gears. Mike off topic. Mike um, off topic, yeah. I have a massive bone to pick with two companies. And Ooh, one of these companies, companies one of these companies Which? is is also being talked about later. Can, two can, companies can we add them right now to get them involved yeah. in the combo? Two companies, Microsoft okay. slash oh. Xbox. Oh, and, I know I know of them. I think and, I know what you're gonna random. And about. Square Enix. Oh that company. Okay. okay. Didn't they just sell a bunch of shit? Anyway, I'll I'll explain. This week, Xbox announces games that are leaving Game Pass. And we've always complained that they don't give people and I'm, enough notice. I'm, time, right? I'm the biggest yeah. complainer yeah. about this. Yeah, it's horrible. It's bullshit. Right? Two weeks. It's bullshit. So, so what game today they announce well, is leaving Game Pass? Just... All right, uh, let, me, let me finish this whole thing. Otherwise, it'll take forever. <laughs> they announced that fo- the remaster collection of Final Fantasy X and X-2 are leaving Game Pass in like eight days. The right? collection. So both. That's a collection of two games that take about a hundred hours each to fully complete, right? <laughs> that is that is that is that's that's not even what I'm ranting about, but that is fucked up, right? Yeah. Give people more notice about that shit. What I'm gonna rant about is something that's very specific annoyance to me as someone that hunts for achievements, but also is a massive issue for people that only have PC Game Pass. So what they did with this game last week, they stealthed delisted the game from purchase without giving any warning at all when Mm. that game game leaves game pass you cannot purchase that game at all so anyone that has a save file on the pc version final fantasy 10 and 10 2 remaster right now Mm. when that game leaves game pass they cannot play that game they cannot well, you, purchase you can't that re-download game. it even if you have it it's a game pa- no it's a game pa- no it's a game pass game but you I'm can saying, buy it on steam oh, yeah, yeah, so you... yeah 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 gotcha. but you can't yeah. use your save file on steam from the microsoft store so that doesn't even yeah. help you yeah, can't yeah, yeah. use that save file on the xbox console because okay, wow, it doesn't sucks. transfer across now for, obviously for someone that's into achievements the idea is okay well that can, even that game leaves game pass i'll just buy it and then whatever right so I went and got the other games. I purchased them because this is the only game that has this issue with it. But the fact that they didn't even announce it's been delisted, you can't even download it on Game Pass right now through the mm. app or through the Microsoft Store unless you know some weird back-end link that someone on True Achievements found. You have to have the NFT for it. So basically, if you have, that, if you have Game Pass now and you wanted to play that game before it left, you can't even download it easily. 
So mm. they've just absolutely fucked people over on PC Game Pass with that. So mm. you know what that means? I'm, I'm going to do this. This is very big for me. Oh, here we go. Oh, I know what he's going to do. What is he going to do? Look at his Xbox. Look at his. Look at the light. <gasps> oh, no. Oh, no, he Shit. didn't. Oh, he's no, turned he off. didn't. Just for the viewers, he's turned, oh. and for the listeners, he has turned it's, off. It's not enough Xbox to turn it off. Xbox. It's not and enough he, to turn it off. I've removed it from the uh, shelf. Removed it from. He does the have shelf. like five like uh, 360s right <laughs> like in a row. There. Now some people theorized it could be an error, and damn hope it is because otherwise I won't be able to ever complete that game. So it'll be frustrating. Can you super anyway. glee or Xbox? No, 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 stop, stop, Swinny rant over. But it, like, let's clear the wording. It's not that mm. you can never. It's not that you can never complete the game. You can go buy it on Steam or whatever. And complete no, it no, or... achievement-wise, I can never yeah, yeah, complete correct, it. Yeah, correct, 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 yeah. correct, correct. Oh, right. shit, man. So you can never then... Wait, but is this PC only? You've beaten it on the Xbox, right? Um, I mean, I've nearly finished on Xbox. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Anyway, all right, so a quick... Well, no, no, wait, games. can I add to this? So, because PC Game Pass is bullshit, right? They when they bought Bethesda, they're like we're adding all the Doom games onto PC. Check it right now. You still to this day, since they announced that, to this day, you still cannot play Doom twenty sixteen on Game Pass PC. It's fucking crazy. They're, like people constantly yeah, tweet at them. Check. They're like, why can't I play Doom twenty sixteen? You've bought it all. You added every single Doom game, Doom Eternal, everything apart from Doom twenty sixteen for some reason. And it's still the case today. It's fucking insane. Hey, can you send me a tweet, Swinny? I want to, like, tweet back at them and add up all the hours of all the games that are leaving. And you go, (laughs) you've given us two weeks, which is, like, you know, this how many hours, and these games on how long to beat take this much time. Fuck you, Microsoft. There's there's a lot of people, like, raising this online Microsoft support channels and stuff. I think just four weeks. I think that's fair. I'd, like, even with these super long-ass games, if you give four weeks, I think that's fair. But the point is, like, like the whole thing is they say, oh, Game Pass, you can purchase the games as well to continue yeah. playing them, and they, you can't even do that. Anyways, yeah. a few games I want to talk about. So, the first is a game. These are all Game Pass games. Now mm-hmm. I'm going to talk, talk about Game <laughs> now Pass. Now I'm going to pump up Game Pass. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> as, game Pass, stupid as, Microsoft. Let me tell you how good it is. My, as part of my resolution... <laughs> As part of my resolution to try out every Game Pass game, I generally do this every week. So the first game is a game called Research and Destroy. Mm-hmm. So this game is... <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't use this part of the footage, but that's all right. I gave you a nah, I don't. I don't look at your instructions. No, because I, I didn't... Whatever I want. No, because the tutorial, like, <laughs> I wanted to show the other footage, but that's fine. Um, so it is such a whinger. But yeah, go on. Okay, so this is a turn-based third-person shooter mixed with a bit of a management sim. So... Basically, it's got some XCOM vibes, but it's basically you've got three characters, you move them around, and there's a timer for each one. At the end of that timer, you can obviously take actions and shoot and everything. At the end of that timer, it moves to the enemy's turn. Um, outside of the actual action levels, it's then you control a little car on like a map of Europe that's got all like, you know, it, basically the plot's weird. It's like all the humans went out of existence, but there was like a few scientists in a bunker. And then like, I don't know, thousands of years later they came back or something like that. But it's like a it's a map of Europe and you like put your scientists down, you research things, you upgrade your weapons and things. And I've got to say this game's actually pretty fun. Um, I don't think I'll stick with it just simply because um, there's just so many games. But I think it's actually, if, if you like some uh, turn-based uh, third-person shooters, you know, it's very not pretty rare genre. Um, I think this would probably be up your alley. So Super rare because... 
it's like XCOM from what I can tell, but you can actually control when you do your action and the shooting as opposed to XCOM where it's just random. So you could be right in front of them, shoot, and you miss kind of thing. Yeah, definitely when I was playing, I played about four of the action levels. It didn't seem like I was missing any shots. There was definitely... Okay. there's. It's, it definitely doesn't have any real RPG elements that I could see, but maybe there's stuff gets unlocked. You know, XCOM's got some light RPG elements there. Um, but I actually thought it was pretty cool. I didn't know what Ooh. to expect with it. And uh, cool. it's got a, a cool sense of humor as well. So that's Research and Destroy. And thank you for changing the, the B-roll. Into that. It's okay. Um, the next game, and I, I believe Mike's also played this, is mm-hmm. Loot River. Mm. So I... Didn't know what this game was, but then when I played it, I remembered what it was because I had seen it. This is almost, I liken this to be a cross between Hyperlight Drifter, Dark Souls, and a sliding puzzle, which hmm. is a weird kind of mix. But when you actually see the game and you actually see what happens in it, it kind of, to me, it makes sense. Um, because when your character is moving around, each area of the ground is split up into almost like Tetramino-style pieces, some bigger, definitely, than te- uh, Tetraminos. But you then use the right stick to slide that piece of the ground around. So it's got a puzzle element to it, but then mixed with a Dark Souls-style combat system where it's all about parrying. Um, it, it it definitely feels Souls-like, as opposed to some games that, you know, I say that, this definitely feels like it's got a lot of elements from that. But it's also apparently a roguelike with permadeath and um, generate, uh, procedurally generated levels. And mm-hmm. I honestly didn't play far enough to see that really come to fruition because I didn't really enjoy this game. I don't know about mm-hmm. you, Mike. No, exactly the same. Um, I First of all, the whole roguelike thing just puts me off. But same, same here. I didn't really get far enough to experience that enough. I died a bunch of times, but yeah. Um, to, to me, I think the thing that let it down is it got kind of I don't know the art style is really cool but at the same time it made it kind of hard to figure out what was going on on the screen yeah. compared mm. to other games um, which yeah it's really weird because awesome concept love the idea love the concept love the, the way the battle system would work being a souls lover but something about the screen and it's hard to tell what an enemy is about to do what you're doing it's just yeah it, it didn't like you, eat, you literally lock on like Dark Souls as well, and I couldn't figure out how to easily swap between. You know, Dark Souls is you flick the right mm. stick, and it wasn't doing it for me. So I'm like, I couldn't get that. But I think the issue for me was they they straight up front they're like, okay, this is how you parry enemies and you repost. You know, just like Dark Souls. And half the time I couldn't tell did my character actually do it because you yeah. know Dark Souls it gives you a very specific noise of like doom when you when you parry someone, so you know exactly you've done it. It wasn't clear with this one, but. As I said, I only played through the very start of the game. I just knew it wasn't for me, but uh, I know there's some people that do like it. So, Along with the sound in Dark Souls, there's a lot of visual clarity because mm. your character is taking up, what is it, like maybe 5%, 10% of the screen yeah. real estate. Whereas in this game, and That's I'm just looking small. at it in the B-roll, honestly, it's like 3% or 2% of the, sc- like the screen size, right? So it's like... It's it, yeah. If those things are really subtle, it's just it'd be really hard to tell what the hell's going on. It looks it is, interesting, yeah. in, but in something mm. like Dead Cells, you you can you can clearly see the you can choreograph or you see the choreographed attacks and stuff in a game like that. 
But I think percentage-wise, if you look at it that way, Dead Cells feels like the character is also a little bit larger. But yeah. maybe because it's a 2D plane, it's easy to understand what's going on. And it's a shame because I feel like the concept's really cool and it's got really good potential. It's just I don't know how they would fix something like that. Um, I'd, like, I'd like to play like a twin-stick shooter with that sliding puzzle. Mm. To me, that was the kind of me- game work. mechanic that would feel a bit more cooler with this style. But yeah. Anyway, it's interesting about ripple. the whole roguelike thing right at the moment because it does feel like the industry is a bit inundated in the indie space with rogue lights and likes and it doesn't turn me off automatically because i think a game like hades and enter the gungeon i love those games um but when they don't work it kind of like i don't know there's something about the lack of the handcrafted levels that just you know if it doesn't click straight away i feel like i reject the game a lot quicker does that make sense Mm, yeah makes sense Yeah. yeah yeah Cool. cool. So that was Loot River. And the last game I'll talk about is a game that I've been wanting to try for a long time, but there's obviously reasons why I hadn't yet. And that mm-hmm. is Bug Snacks. So Bug Snacks finally no, got no, added no, no, no. to Xbox uh, this week. Or I think it was this week or last week. Yeah, recently. Yeah. Um, and I, it wasn't on Xbox 4, so it's jumped straight in game, uh, Xbox Game Pass. I think I love this game. I mm. absolutely Whoa. love it. Really? And, yeah, I think this game Damn. is awesome. Um, it is. You haven't just... beaten it yet. No, no. So, and, and can I, I just look... ask before you go on, just so I understand? Do you know what happens in this game? I'm very aware of oh, some okay. of the stuff that oh, happens in this that game. Oh, okay. Well, the things I never thought I didn't actually have. <laughs> I didn't know if it ever get added to Xbox. Mm. So uh, back when I was listening to a lot more podcasts under do these days, I heard a lot of people talking about this game at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. But the actual game itself, I actually really like the way it's designed. The characters are really actually in, super interesting, mm. really well voice acted. It's actually the narrative hook about you know like. What is the secret behind the bug snacks? So you're a journalist that goes to the island and you, you know, you go to the settlement and then you, you know, you're basically doing quests for all these um, villagers and you get to learn, you know, their relationships. And there's moments where they're just talking to each other in certain scenes that are really very realistic, like in how they portray people, um, you know, dialogue between people. And it, it really is surprising because you look at this game and you don't get that impression. Uh, it's definitely not a kid's game in that regard. It's A kid could watch this game and it's fine, but it's not a kid's game in the sense of, the, I think what you get out of it is really, you know, like just learning the relationships between these characters. But I actually really like the design of how you actually catch the bug snacks and the tools you get. I do wish, and maybe maybe there's a way to do it, I don't know, which there was, it's just a little awkward swapping between the tools at the same time when you need to use multiple tools to like lay down a trap and use like a hamster ball tool to like guide a bug snacks into the trap. And you're constantly having to go into the radial menu to swap between the tools. And it feels a little wonky, but I think you get used to it as you play more and more. But yeah, I really like this game. Um, it's not going to be for everyone, but I, I implore people to look past what looks like a kid's game and mm. a ridiculous game and actually give uh-huh. it a shot because I think it's really cool. So. Yeah, no, that's really interesting, dude. Yeah. yeah. I saw that you had it in the docket and I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to be fascinated to see your take on yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm surprised you didn't do a rant on, like, oh, uh, maybe you're not getting affected by all the outages with uh, Microsoft this week. Um, I had... I haven't been affected by it. Ah, I know okay. that a lot of people are, but I also didn't know how widespread it was. I know it was widespread enough that it got like raised on some news sites and things. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, like, often this stuff is out and down, and I'll see it on True Achievements because I've got like a status thing, and 
other places won't talk about it. So I guess I should have clicked with me that it was more widespread than other people were. Yeah, it seems like, well, because especially if you're more digital only, you've been really screwed. And it's probably not our hours. It's more like, you know, the 4 a.m. to the morning time for us. And it hasn't probably hit our timeline as timing as much. But it's just another reason why I get really pissed off with the DRM on Microsoft, right? Because, like, with Nintendo and PlayStation, you can still play the games if you're offline. But some of these, like, Microsoft games, you can't even play them. Like, even if you own them and everything like that, it has to connect at some point. Yeah, well, sometimes it also depends on what account is using it. Um, yes. Because it's weird that Microsoft, sometimes it's like, you got two accounts logged in and one's the primary account for that console. Like and that can play. Whatever, right? yeah. yeah, other games, you try to launch them and it will say you have to be online. But uh, there's current, like that. Yeah, there's currently no issues reported, so it must have been cleared up, but I know it did affect a lot of people. Yeah, so. yeah. Cool. All right, cool. Let's jump into the news. Hmm. The Square Enix has dropped a bombshell this week as they announced that they've sold off some massive studios and IPs to Swedish conglomerate Embracer Group. <laughs> I'm going to fix that one in it. <laughs> so yeah. those studios include Crystal Dynamics, Ideos Montreal and Square Enix Montreal. And the IPs are massive. So we've got mm. Tomb Raider, which, like, we'll get to the purchase price, but uh, Deus Ex, Thief, and Legacy of Cain. So the deal does not include any Western IPs such as Just Cause, Outriders, and Life is Strange. Uh, it will include more than 50 back catalog games from Square Enix. So the total purchase price was $300 million. US dollars uh, is expected to close in a few months and there's more than 1,000 employees over the three studios and eight locations globally. Square Enix have said the deal is, quote, it enables the launch of new businesses by moving forward with investments in fields such as blockchain, AI, and the cloud, end quote. They didn't have uh, the NFT thing like they did at the Christmas night or the New Year's night at the start of the year. So, Swinney, as given that you've played most of these IPs in your sort of, you know, more impacted, I guess you could say, with Tomb Raider and then also Deus Ex, which we both like, uh, how, how do you feel about this? Well, I was very surprised um, given that, the, as you, you were alluding to, like the strength of these IPs, especially Tomb Raider, like I wouldn't ever expect a company to sell off a, an IP like Tomb Raider. Um, but I'm also very optimistic now because we know that some of these IPs, especially something like Legacy of Kane, that people have wanted to bring back for so long. Yeah. Um, Thief as well. I know the last one didn't set the world of, you know, on fire, but people still love that franchise. And obviously Deus Ex, we know that Square Enix are very hesitant to bring that game back and everyone love oh, that series back. I'm really optimistic that... Embracer Group will actually do something with these properties um, and potentially even re-release, and this is what I'm super excited about, re-release things like some older Tomb Raider games again in like a remastered form. That is easy money in my impression, uh, if, from my perspective, and it's something I would really love to see. So, mm. I, I find that this acquisition, that, like it just, it almost doesn't make sense to me. Like when I heard it and then you see the IP, I'm like, is this for real? This seems insane to me. Well, That's three hundred million dollars. Does anything think it's cheap or? Dude, you know, how, like to me, this is like 
this might go down as one of the greatest deals. Like yeah. I, I was always saying Insomniac, ballpark from memory, Insomniac was like 200 mil or something like that. Hmm. You got to remember, dude, like Bethesda, what was that? 8,000 million dollars? 8,000. And this is 300, right? Hmm. Like Activism Blizzard, which to be fair, it's like the amount of IPs and everything like that. That's like 68,000 million. Yeah. And this is 300. No, you're right. This is cheap. Especially for big IPs like this. And the thing that I don't understand about this deal is, like, Lara Croft and Tomb Raider, I mean, they've had three films in that that sort of franchise. And just how, you know, video game films are doing at the moment, I feel like you could, you could make a film that will make this money back. <laughs> you know what I mean? In one go. Just in a single film, yeah. 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 And, I, I, like... Because, you know, the Sonic 2 movie is now over, I think, 350 million, like, box office. Wow. So, but do you, do you get the rights? I mean, do we well, know the details? Do you I'm get the rights that, for film or just games? Or how I work? feel like that would have been called out in the deal. Like, surely. It, it surely would have been called out in some way. Merchandise? Yeah. Anything I'd, like that? I'd yeah. ta- well, because they're saying they own the IPs. Yeah, so they should so, be able to. Fuck, man. Like, when I saw this yeah. deal, I was like, damn, this is like... And also, these studios are not terrible studios. Like, no, they're great studios. <laughs> they're really they're shit, some yeah. of the best studios in the world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know what? I think it's fucking crazy. This deal, honestly. Like, Absolutely. I, Insomnia could barely got any IPs. Hmm. Like, they're a really good studio. They make great games. You know, Spider Man consistently ranks on the PS4 as top five games on that console, right? Like, but they don't have that many IPs. Like. This is crazy, this deal. Like, really good studios and then really strong IPs and, like, good secondary yep. IPs as well that you can make and good think, games about. Look, personally, I think it's it's ultimately really good for gamers. Um, I think they... Hopefully, the, the studios will do something really good with, with these IPs. The the latest Tomb Raider games were actually really solid games. I haven't completed all of them, but they were, they were great games for the kind of genre that the games are. Really, really good. Uh, visually, gameplay-wise, fantastic. Um, Thief, the latest Thief, I uh, didn't really get as as well reviewed so i think there's potential there to actually grow that franchise um and and come up with a few really good thief games and i'm actually looking forward to see what they do with that because those games were amazing in in their own sort of way in their own unique um type of gameplay um and one thing that i would say is i am glad that they're getting rid of deus ex um if it's one game that I don't want it to be NFT'd and turned into all that bullshit, <laughs> yeah, I mean, to look that. at all the practice, practice points bullshit that the previous one had, it wasn't. It was a minor thing, right? It wasn't anything big, but you can kind of tell they were going into that direction where you you could just literally buy as many upgrade points as you want to make the game trivial um, with real world money. And not, I'm, I'm not saying that you know whoever whatever company takes this on board isn't going to do something like that, but I mean, embrace a group. <laughs> Embrace the group, yes. You, yeah. you know what I mean. Um, I, I just think, I just think, I'd rather not see that franchise be turned to shit by a company like. Uh, let's face it, I've lost respect for Square Enix completely. I they they made some of my fondest games, but with the shenanigans recently, I just yeah, they're in, they're in my blacklist at the moment. So <laughs> they are, they are. I just think the entire push to to NFT thing automatically just puts them into a into a shit position. In my I still mind. don't understand how Grand Theft Auto has, has evaded your blacklist. Like all the bullshit things I know, that that I know, done like it, complete bullshit. Like sell, 
the know. same game. I know, I know. it should. It should. Three generations now. Yeah. Forcing Maybe you to buy it of, over and over again. Well, here's the thing I justified because look issues. at the the latest version was what, $15 or something. And I'm like, eh, I'll pay 15 bucks for an upgrade. I haven't spent a single other dollar on that in terms anyway. of the, the online shit. But yeah. You know, it's interesting about Thief because I like I always feel like that's a very mixed game. Like, and it feels like a cult classic. Like, there's a lot of people I respect their opinion. And they just rave about how good Thief is. It was a really good game, the, the original ones. I'm, I'm actually really keen to play it because I rate some of these people who are like, oh, no, Thief's really good. Like, you need to just, you know, stick with it a bit and it really, like, the blows one, your mind. The new one, you mean? Or yeah, the yeah. originals? No, okay. no, the new one, the new one. I don't well, know. Have you original- ever played it, uh, Swinney? Yeah, I have. Um, it was okay. I didn't just didn't get far enough into it to say mm. whether or not I thought it was great or not. The originals are like absolutely beloved, though, um, yeah. like Thief the Dark Age and all that stuff. And but um, yeah, with with this, um, I, I guess you've probably got more to say about the the general deal. But um, I do want to talk a bit about Embracer Group. Yeah, yeah, go on. Yeah, so when this deal came up again, like I constantly each time Embracer Group buys a company, and this is the most high, high profile they've done in a while. I know they get, bought Gearbox, but Gearbox isn't on the level of Tomb Raider in terms of mass appeal and everything. Their yeah. games, um, obviously Borderlands, but you know, Tomb Raider's Tomb Raider. Um, everyone's like, oh, Embracer Group, who are they every single time? And I remember hearing years ago and that they were essentially buying up all these smaller studios and growing over time to the point where um, I was looking at, and these were just, you know, these are all Wikipedia stats, so grain of salt, but they're currently, as of, I think, 2021 financial year, the 17th biggest gaming um, company in terms of revenue. So, and you look at all the companies above them, they're all household names almost, you know. So, Embracer Group is, basically, they formed off, they originally, you had Nordic Games, and there was, you know, different, you know, you got the holding company, and you got the brand and everything. Then when THQ went under, they turned into THQ Nordic. Mm. And eventually, I think it was in 20, uh, 2019, to separate the you know the company that owns all the public uh, the studios and everything from the THQ Nordic brand, then they got renamed to Embracer Group. But mm. we're talking about you know uh, acquisitions over time. So they bought Gearbox, uh, Koch Media. <laughs> That's my best Koch. Yeah, it's Coke Media. Coke. 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 No, it's meant to be called Coke Media. Coke, Coke. Media. Saber Interactive, Piranha Bytes, uh, Bytes, fuck yeah. You know, like 3D Realms, Beamdog, Dark Horse, like the comics, Perfect World. They've bought so many companies, especially over the last four years, that it's just like, it's crazy. And now they go ahead and buy these things off Square Enix. It's it's kind of wild. This they're positioning themselves to be a massive force in the industry. Well, what their strategy, in my opinion, is... I don't know if you guys um, know Blumhouse Productions. Yeah. So, yeah. So, they're the folks behind things like Get Out, um, you know, a whole bunch of horror movies. But essentially, what they do is they're not trying to make AAA movies, like the equivalent in, you know, the movie terms, I guess, in video game terms. They're making game... Uh, sorry, movies that are like... 10 mil budgets, 20 mil budgets, 5 mil budgets. But they're just, it's like shotgun approach, like peppering the market with like lots of different movies. And some of them are just like exploding and like a massive hits and raking in, you know, half a billion dollars. And they're, you know, putting in 10 mil for like, you know, however many projects. And it's, you know, paying massive dividends. And I feel like Embracer Group, you know, has has seen this approach because they've been doing this for a long time. Mm. 
and it's kind of adopting the same mentality. And I think it's really clever of, you know, games have become too much like just indies and AAA games. Like there's nothing in the middle. Hmm. And I feel like they're trying to occupy that middle space of like, okay, it's not going to be a AAA budget. And I, I genuinely think like from now on, you know, Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, Legacy of Cain, Thief, I'll consider them like double A. Like I feel like that's the kind of money that they'll hmm. put into those games. But maybe that's not a bad thing because I think it's also you probably have the games quicker and, you know, just be a smaller, tighter game, which I'm personally a fan of. So, Yeah, but don't kill these beloved franchises, please, with a shitty game. But I don't think they've really been doing that in Bracer Group, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, it's still like they they bought Piranha Bytes and Illix still felt like a Piranha Bytes game. You know, yeah. like the previous games, they were, they were you know, they weren't owned by... No, by I just mean through but, through the strategy of trying to push games out quicker rather but, than getting them done right. I know, but this I think is, it's just like you allocate the budget and then that's the game, right? Because like you look at Red Dead Redemption 2, you played that, right? The right. amount of like technology they had on the horse balls to bounce like and all this. Do you really need Crazy. that? It's like, you know, that's what happens when you have budget. You just go nuts, so... The key part of this to me is the fact that, you know, they've bought Crystal Dynamics. They've bought IDOS Montreal. They've bought the talent behind these games. It's not like they've just bought the IP. So that's why I have confidence. Now, who knows how it's going to turn out. But I'd be okay. Like, I, you know, my thoughts on the newest Tomb Raider games, you know, I prefer Crystal Dynamics' first trilogy. And I really hope that, you know, as I said, like, I hope we get a chance to play those again on newer platforms. But mm. I think those studios, the the one thing we didn't clarify as well is I don't think it's clear at this point if they've got the rights to publishing rights to um, the Marvel games. No, that, definitely uh, not. Yeah. So that's one thing that it's just not, obviously, they're made by... Crystal Dynamics, Dynamics worked on the Avengers and Artist Montreal worked on Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy. Um, it makes sense that Square Enix will probably retain those publishing rights to those games. But, yeah, 100%. Yeah, so. yeah and I'm, I'm like, I feel like those all those games are sort of dead now. Where, like, Marvel's felt pretty, Marvel's Avengers felt pretty dead. But maybe it's a bit unfortunate with Guardians of the Galaxy, which, Mike, you know, peop- you, you liked. It's a solid game, yeah. yeah. I like and it. a lot of people liked it, but you kind of wonder if you're going to get DLC or anything for that game now. Mm. Yeah, who knows? I'm, I'm just, I'm super looking forward to hopefully a new Deus Ex game, you know? And yeah, we know, same. We know the new Tomb Raider game is in the works, so Crystal Dynamics did mm. talk about that already. So that would like, that's obviously going to fall under, um, who knows? Like, I, I'm guessing, because the way that, um, Brace Group workers, they have their kind of, you know, sub, the base of the subsidiary brand, publishing brands. And I wonder what they're going to do with this because, you know, you've got stuff breaking down into divisions already with them. Um, like Gearbox is one of them. So I wonder what they're going to, maybe they'll just do IDOS, you know, as, as the division name or something like that. So, yeah, it's, it, you know, it's, it's actually hard to just get a list of the games coming out from Embracer Group because there's... Like, they've literally split it into, the, like you said, the different uh, entities. Yeah. And when you even combine them, it's like there's a game coming out every month from mm. this organization, which makes sense. I think they've had, like, 63 acquisitions or something like that. I've, actually, you've got it in the run sheet, don't you? 62 acquisitions. Yeah. And also, oh, crazy. I don't know if this is probably unrelated, but uh, last year we had we covered on a show um, rumors that Square Enix themselves were up for sale, mm. which potentially could have been them looking uh, at off 
are potentially off, off shooting their, their IPs mm. and stuff. So 100%. that was back in April. So if you want to check that out. It's an episode 40, hex code 3B4696. <laughs> One of the best titles. Just a bit of a uh, hype for my review of of Disrupting the Game by Reggie. I think, you know, in that book, it talks about the tension between Japan and, you know, the Western companies. I think that that's, like, the last thing I wanted to say about this is just, like, Square Enix being truly, like, a Japanese com- company. You just could never make the Western side of it work. Hmm. And... It just seems like they hated the the Western part of Square Enix, which because I don't, like you know I'm a bit of a nerd with the business side of things. I would like read the the investor calls, what Square Enix was talking about, and they're just shitting on like their like you know Idis Montreal and everything, like calling out oh it performed so poorly and like we expected more and like but it wasn't in a way that was like what you would say to people to motivate them. Like, it was so brutal. <laughs> I was just like, shit, man. Like, I'd be hating these people if I wasn't running the studio over there. Well, so IO Interactive got the hell out. You know, yeah. Hitman games. That's yeah. true. I feel like they probably, yeah, came out the best, right? Because they got Bond now. Mm. So, okay, cool. All right, I'll let's be back move. in a tick, boys. Got to go install Tomb Raider. That B-Road looks sick. <laughs> I feel like he actually well, is going to go. We'll we'll cover this then. We'll cover <laughs> yeah, no, what, like it's the worst timing. <laughs> All right, let's let's share share our three memories of Melbourne's EB Games, Swanson Street. Uh, sorry, like I'm gonna read this again from the start because I'm like making it up in my head and reading it. So Melbourne's EB Games, Swanson Street, has closed the Nintendo Experience, which was located on the store's second level. So the report came from our good friends over at Vux.net. The Nintendo experience opened 14 years ago and became the closest thing Australia has had to an official Nintendo store. It was used by Nintendo for midnight launches, special events, and community tournaments. It was recently revamped in 2018 to add Switch stuff, and the areas closed off with a staff-only sign, and all stock has been removed from shelves. Swinney, share your memories of this of this space. Look, I really enjoyed going to there. I actually worked around the corner for a few years um, down at Flinders Lane, and this is essentially at the top of where, you know, it's not far from where Swanston and Flinders cross. Uh, this is obviously a very Australia-heavy segment on the show. but <laughs> um, right. But it, it was just really cool. You know, you go up there, you obviously had, you know, the actual retail part, but then just being able to walk around and try the kiosks. And there was always, you know, there was always students there huddled around playing Smash Brothers. I know they held tournaments there. It was just a real, it wasn't big, but it was a cool little space that just felt, it felt like a really cool thing there. And look, I know the reporting, you know, it's obviously they've, they've closed it off. We don't know. I think they're still waiting for a response from Nintendo Australia about, you know, is it something they're, they're bringing back at all? But given, you know, that retails had struggled throughout the pandemic year and everything, it wouldn't surprise me if they just, you know, just closed it for good, which is a shame. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I really did. So. Yeah. I think, like, if you're Nintendo, it's just something like this would never be made today. And what I'm saying is, like, a Nintendo area in another company's space and retail space yeah like having a nintendo store in australia i could see that like that wouldn't be a big shock to me you've seen recently like a lot of like lego stores and stuff like that i feel like 
because it's really all about merch. It's not about selling games, honestly. It's more about the merch side of things. And I think just Nintendo as a brand has been revitalized with the Switch. So I could see that happening. Unfortunately, given the sort of, you know, the sales and marketing arm, like it's, I don't, is it even called Nintendo Australia? I can't even remember what it's actually called. Well, I mean, that's what I think the Twitter handle is. Cause I'm well, yeah, but that's Australia. no, but I, what I mean is like, cause they're a subsidiary of the European arm of like Nintendo, right? Oh uh, yeah. But I mean, they've got, if they've got a headquarter there, I just refer to them. Yeah. But it's I'll not like Nintendo of America, which actually kind of like dictate stuff for the region. I don't even think they make decisions in Australia. It's basically whatever Europe wants to do, they sort of just translate it here. But like, ultimately why I'm saying that is if they ever did make a Nintendo store here, I would obviously selfishly want it to be in Sydney, but I feel like 95% chance it would be in Melbourne because that's where like, uh, what's it called? Nintendo of Australia is based in, in Victoria, not even Melbourne, right? It's like Scoresby or whatever. Yeah, Scoresby. Yeah. But, uh, but the, look, I don't think this is related, um, but I just want to bring up the fact that they are currently in the middle, they've been for a few years of building the big new metro station a yeah. few doors down. Oh. Um, and all this, the shops there have obviously been demolished and everything. Even the McDonald's on Swanson Street, that, that dodgy ass McDonald's was removed <laughs> um, for that massive new metro station. I don't think that's like you think that EB themselves would have been closed by now if that was an impact. But um, I know that, you know, it's obviously changed the face of retail in that area in general. Maybe there's. Maybe there's even less foot traffic there these days, but it has been a few years since those do, shops closed. Do we know at all? I mean, I, I doubt there's a way to find out what the the payment model is with this. Did they do they pay part of the rent? Do they? Yeah, it's a good call. What's well, the they, what's the relationship all, with EB for this one? I don't know. There's also a downstairs area, which is the Zing Pop Arm. Yeah, the, the Zing one, the yeah. Brand, but uh, yeah, who knows? I mean. It's looked like in the footage there, EB, the actual offices of the EB Games were above that as well in that area. So mm. clearly, I think it's probably them just paying out a rental space or maybe, you know, percentage My of profits guess, yeah. of, of sales yeah. or something. Because so. it's co-branded. I mean, there's a huge EB, EB Games. I mean, it's part of EB Games, obviously, but there's mm. also big EB Game signs and stuff on that floor. So Yeah, I, I really liked it because I visited... Uh, nintendo new york so the flagship store pretty much for america that's their flagship store even though they're based in uh seattle right i should know that i just read a whole bloody book about nintendo um but yeah new york is where their flagship store is and that that's really cool like that store and it's actually really cool as well Swinny. i think you appreciate this like you know people's reactions to stuff like nintendo directs smash reveals yeah you often will see a clip from the New York store reaction because they'll have the live stream there as well. And it's just the amount of shit that you can buy there. Like you just can't buy anywhere else. Like very classic Nintendo. It's like all inspired from Disney, you know, the specific things that you can only get in the New York store and then like in Tokyo as well. And I feel like, yeah, this was the closest thing that we had in Australia and being a huge Nintendo fan, like it kind of sucks. Like for us, the closest thing in Sydney to something like this is uh, the Gamesman. It's like this independent, you know, EB competitor. They have their little uh, arcade and, you know, video game history little museum that's really cool. Like, I, I really didn't like know it. that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. you should check it out next time you're up yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. yeah, totally. It's really cool. They're really cool, the people there. So hmm. shout out to them. But um, I, was, I just want to clarify as well, the footage that's on running on the YouTube 
clip now. Like that's how it used to look. That's not what yeah. its most recent revamp yeah. was. There's just not much good footage of when they switch mm. branded at all. So yeah, now there'd be no footage because it's all gone, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a bit sad. Like, um, but I could imagine, you know, just like the face of retail is changing so aggressively. But let's, uh... dude. Yeah, the number of stores that I mean, look, this is stating the obvious here. Um, ultimately, I think this probably closed down because it wasn't profitable, like any other store closing down. I don't think anyone just closes a store down willy nilly. Clearly, they were probably making a loss, wasn't worth paying the rent, whatever. Uh, but the number of stores in the city, and I'm sure Sydney's exactly the same, it's nuts. Just the number that are closed, changed mm. for lease, that kind of stuff. It's incredible what COVID's completely yeah. destroyed a lot of stuff like that. Having, having so. spent time in Melbourne, Recently, I think Melbourne's way more affected than Sydney. I reckon. Like, I was shocked when I went to Melbourne. I was like, wow, this is like... Outside of the main things like uh, Chadston, High Point, like a lot of those stores are still open, but they've got deals and stuff. And I think they negotiated rents Mm. to keep them there. But the city stores are The city ones and stuff like that, it was like, this is like stark, you know? And Sydney's bad, but not as bad as that. Like Sydney, I found like... I need to double check if places are still open that I go to. And they're, they're like, most of them are, but they've changed. So it's like, I'll go there. I used to be able to get lunch there. Now I can only get coffee and like set menu. Cause I've literally just got one person working there or two people instead of like in the old what's, days. What's going to happen with tourism? Because like, I'm, I'm going to say this now I've been to many, many cities and Melbourne is one of the dirtiest cities I've ever been to. Uh, do, do, do third, what I would almost consider third world countries that I've been to have had cleaner <laughs> cities overall. I don't think uh, you've Eastern, been to that many third world what, countries. No, but enough, of, what enough parts of Melbourne are you going to? Yeah, no, like, I'm talking about the city centre. I'm talking about the city centre is, is so... It, it's not only... Look, the construction work doesn't help it at all, but in terms of the overall feel and dirtiness, and one thing that... that that is unrelated, but also something that I wish we did more about is the homelessness problem that we have in Melbourne. It's huge. It's massive. That's, and can I just say like, that's the actual, I don't think it's that dirty. No, no, no. This is, this is a totally different thing. I'm talking about actual dirty as well. Not it's just out of control from a people perspective in Melbourne. Like yeah, that, totally. I notice it as well. It's like just kind of like dodgy people in the city, just yeah. like standing around doing nothing or yelling at people. I'm like, this is like New York in the 70s or something. It's like, kind of like that, yeah. How are they not clean? Like, it was starting to happen in Sydney and they just cracked down on it massively. <laughs> They're just like, we're clearing out people. They're just sitting around doing nothing all day. Like, we just can't have that. Like, let's right. get rid of them. But... Look, as a tourist, I mean, I don't know what tourists are like. All I can say is anecdotally, for example, my ex-girlfriend who was from, from overseas, she hated Melbourne. And she traveled a lot. And I'm talking about a lot. It was one of her least favorite places in terms of how it felt. And the dirtiness of it, and I, maybe we don't realize that because we're there all the time. But I, I noticed it. I just, it, I hate to admit it. It's I've, I've lost the feel for it. I think it's not the great city that it once used to be. Yeah, I, I think it's changed as well. Like I was pretty disappointed when I went down there. I was like mm. pretty shocked. But maybe that's just a lockdown and things will recover. That doesn't well, help. Yeah. I still love <laughs> Melbourne. Good for you. <laughs> good, you're you're repping Melbourne. That's that's good, sweetie. All right, let's get on to our final story, and it is Nintendo. This is a very Nintendo-themed episode, by the way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> very on-brand for me. Uh, so it is <laughs> a very funny one. So in a headline that could be ripped straight from The Onion, reports have cropped up this week that Kanye West once pitched a game 
to the legendary sweetie you gotta like spell check the hell out of this uh-huh. Shigeru Miyamoto that's what, happens, that's what happens when you just like I gotta do this I know, you're, you're like uh, yeah you're, it was a bit rough today uh, according to former IGN employee Zach Ryan Yi <laughs> I like how you got Yi approached Miyamoto with a pitch during E3 2015 Ryan claims he had heard this directly from Miyamoto via translator a year later. So this is all on Twitter. And he was just recounting his funniest gaming story. So Kanye had shown up. This is all quote from uh, Zach Ryan. Uh, Kanye had shown up at the Nintendo booth unannounced and asked for an audience with Miyamoto right then and there. Kanye showed him a prototype for a video game. In it, you played as Kanye's late mother flying to heaven set to a soundtrack conducted by Kanye himself. Miyamoto was shaking his head as he described it, not like he thought it was a bad game, but more so in the way that he sort of couldn't believe that Kanye West was pitching him a video game. (laughs) Miyamoto nodded and said, it was very interesting. There was a long pause and he added, it was very moving. Miyamoto to Ryan, quote, then he laughed really hard and said, Kanye West wanted to make a game with Nintendo. And then in English, wow, <laughs> with two thumbs up. <laughs> can, I, can I just say, end quote, that part of it made it feel so true to me when he said like, because wow, he does do he that. Do. He do, yeah, it's something he would do. So yay oh. would go on to announce the game only one during an event in Feb 2016 later releasing a trailer during E3 2016, and the game hasn't been seen since. And people are still waiting uh, for it. Yeah, Damn, I'd actually I'd be curious. A bit of, like, conflicting. I was trying to understand. So it's that was E3 that he was sort of pitching to Miyamoto. Then we, and we know the timeline when E3 is in the middle of the year. Yeah. Then publicly, Yi <laughs> announced it in February, but then I think Zach Ryan was saying he went on to announce it two months later. So two it's weeks like later, I think he's two said. weeks. Yeah. So oh, it's yeah. maybe he, he kind of made, made it known, but he didn't like do a public announcement until later. So it's, uh, yeah. What a story. I'd be intrigued to actually play this. I mean, I, I, I I'm not a huge E fan, but I always felt like him and I, are oh, similar. I feel like we were like both he, dropped. He, he said, I on the head as a child. Can I please, is, please, please let, me say, let me say something. You comparing yourself to Kanye no, 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 West. No, 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 no. Just let me have a flaw. Okay, yeah, go ahead. You comparing yourself to Kanye West is like simultaneously the most Mike and Kanye West kind of thing to do. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. This guy has created so much art. He's so popular. He's like a billionaire. He's created fashion lines and everything. And I've done nothing. You have I not. But no. by you comparing yourself to him, that is very Kanye West. That is very yeah. Kanye West. Yeah, he, he in himself has compared himself to Leonardo da Vinci. And yeah, there you go. Michael Jackson. Yeah, exactly. 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 <laughs> I'm a bit of What is that quote by the way? Tony, what's that quote? Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> Kanye West. God. I'm a bit out <laughs> of the loop. Man, I love him. Is it, is it pronounced ye or yay? Ye. Yeah, it is you. Yeah, okay, yeah, I just right. wanted to check. No one says that anymore. That's why it's for Yeezy me. or something, isn't it? Yeah, Yeezy. That's what most people yeah. say Well, now. that's apparently his, his legal name. So apparently, huh? so he got a change. Really? Yeah, that's what that's what the internet oh, says. Oh wow! Yeah, even which is even always Wikipedia. correct. Well, Wikipedia does say yeah, Ye is his name. Yeah. Born Kanye West. Wow. Yeah. And then it says commonly known as Kanye West. That's so weird. <laughs> 
Well, he's being Yeezus. He's being Yeezy. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, Wait, who... uh, Swinney, do you want to break the news? But wait. (laughs) There's there's more. Investigations by a resident sleuth (laughs) Intergot has corroborated this report. Corroborated? Corroborated. Guess what? It's old news. This is actually known (laughs) Ah. a few months ago back in December, so... Yeah, but you know what's super interesting? This story isn't really, like, consolidated. Like, people mm. are still a bit, like... I think people just don't believe it. But I actually looked back, and, like, I'm actually going to plumb these podcasts. Reggie fils you know, and again, so... hyping the section later that I'm going to review his book, mm. he's got this, like, podcast that's got, like, 7,000 listens. So, interestingly, so Reggie talked about this on his podcast, which is called Talking Games with Reggie and Harold, Mm. but apparently there was a donation incentive or something, and you got, this was part of the clip that only people got to hear if they donated. But that's what I read on the, I think the people that that reported back on this was the website Nintendo Everything in December, and Uh, that's what they say there is that it was revealed on that. Question, could could we have a similar model where... People can only hear me if they donate. <laughs> <laughs> no, can we have a different model where people can donate to mute you? To mute me! Oh, <laughs> brilliant! Given brilliant! We're, <laughs> given we're going to be talking about Reggie quite a bit and a little bit, um, I yeah. think I like what his quote was about it. So do you want me to... to yeah, yeah, you read it. Yes, please. Because yes. I'm going to yep. say so, too much about it. Well, you've got to read it in his voice. No. Yeah, um, yeah. We had so many different projects at Nintendo going on. The possibility of doing something with Kanye just wasn't there. So I had to find a way to politely decline this opportunity to work with him. I told him, Kanye, you don't want to work with us because we're tough. We're hard. All we do is push for the very best content. We would not be the type of partner you would want to work with. And he looks at me and says, Reggie, you're exactly the type of partner I want. (laughs) Because of that reason, it's like... Oh my gosh! But so, can I just say because you like my wife, my my old wife Kim. <laughs> oh my god! She was she wanted what was the? I was actually I was actually listening to some uh, Pete Davidson stand up where he's actually talking about Kanye. It was actually really interesting on YouTube. So. But did you hear his Kanye impression just then? I chose to I ignore it. He kind of sound, what does he sound like? It kind of sounds like that. But doesn't you, he? you're kind of just going for a generic black guy. It's that not wasn't really, generic. That was like a Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson, <laughs> Mike Tyson, nah, kind Mike of. Mike Tyson's way more high pitched than that. I, I feel like he just doesn't. He, yeah. Mike Tyson's voice does not match his physique, and I kind of feel like he, Ye is similar. Uh, so, so, but oh, yeah, Mike, no, but can go, I just say because like Kanye is like a notorious, insane perfectionist, tweaking stuff, you mm. know, driving standards that are like unmeetable. And for Reggie to say that, that's like the most, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, let's oh, go it's crazy, not you, man. it's me. Oh, come on, <laughs> let's please. Let's do it, man. <laughs> Could you imagine this, you know, like, the, the tra- we had the trailer footage up before that he showed. Like, yeah, it yeah, actually, yeah, I can put it back up again. That actually looks interesting. It, it's an interesting concept, hmm. and he apparently, um, so in 2014, he'd, he wrote a song called Only One um, that was about, you know, mm. His daughter from the perspective of his mother who'd passed away. So well, his I, mother passed away post idea. this whole thing, right? Like um, it wasn't a post No, I think she was okay. two thousand and seven or something like that. Oh. Around, or two thousand nine around that period. Because I was looking oh, up earlier. That makes you know what? That makes so much more sense now. 
Because, like, how she died, I thought, wow, that's kind of crazy how she died, right? Yeah. But now it makes sense if it was that long ago. Because, like, Kanye was big, but not that big. Yeah, 2007. And, ah, that makes so much okay. more sense. Yeah, okay. Ages ago. So, Interesting. Mm. Oh, well, that's I terrible. Don't know. I, I always, yeah. you know, I feel like we want to play games that represent us, that, that have characters that, you know, are like us. And I feel like I've always associated with his, his mum. And <laughs> it speaks, this game speaks to me. I would love to actually try this game out. Okay, all jokes aside, this actually looks really interesting. And I hope, I hope that he will pursue this project somewhere else. I don't think it's a Nintendo game, to be honest. This is not a Nintendo thing. Well, it's, but it's an independent studio thing. <laughs> but if we like, I uh, yeah, it's interesting because when it happened, it wasn't like Nintendo was like flying, right? So I'm surprised they kind of dismissed it so readily because I feel like Nintendo making a game with Kanye West would just be like, I mean, like, how would you top that announcement, Swinney? The virality of that. You know, just from a marketing point of view, I just almost don't understand why he just like dismissed it so so quickly. To be but honest, I wonder why no one else jumped on it. I wonder, did he not oh, go to anyone insane. else? Because it's insane no one... to work with. Yeah, but it still would have been freaking awesome to to mm. get this project like this I out just, for any studio. I just love the visual of of Kanye rocking up to Nintendo booth and saying, "Where's <laughs> Miyamoto? I want to show him a game." I just cannot get that. Visual out of my head. It's amazing. I want to see it so much. Because I wish there was footage. Well, that E3, people didn't notice him walking around the floor. And they were like, holy shit, Kanye West is here. Like, that's weird. So, like, all this, you know, and you've got first-hand accounts from people, like, saying it happened. But I love how much of a gamer he is. Because I think, didn't he want to call an album, like, Turbo Graphics or something like that? (laughs) Well, yeah, and he references, like, you know, Genesis and Super Nintendo in his songs and stuff like that. So... He's definitely a gamer. Yeah, crazy news. I think it would be awesome. I would, like, go into a Kickstarter into his game if and only if it had, like, a three-year return period where it's like, (laughs) I can get my money back in three years because I feel like there's a 50% chance he would never make it. You know what I mean? Or it would take him 20 years to make the game. So I I don't want to wait that long. So, all right, let's wrap up the news. And as we do always when we wrap up the news, we take all the stories that... You know, won't fill a normal spot for us, and Swinney will summarize them each week, monotonically increasing by one word. We're up to 194 words in one minute, well over three words per second. He's smashing it, he's, he's prepping, getting his water ready, getting I'm his not ready. throat I'm not lubricated. Ready. His body is ready, just to you know, I am not ready. I'm picking body... up your next segment. <laughs> I, I forgot I still had to do this. And as always, I let Swinney decide when he wants to start. Blizzard have revealed their new mobile trash Warcraft arc-like rumble. Mafia Studio Hangar 13 are reportedly working on a prequel for their popular series. Survival MMO The Day Before has been delayed to March 2023. Unpacking launches for PlayStation this Tuesday. Sci-Fi Racer Redout 2 is also launching soon, coming May 26th for all platforms. Epic has partnered with Xbox to bring Fortnite back to iOS devices 
uh, iOS devices, whatever, via cloud streaming. Ubisoft Montreal has taken over development of Trouble Prince of Persia Sansa Time Remake. All Elite Wrestling's video games have been officially named AEW Fight Forever. Activision Blizzard has been sued by New York City over Microsoft acquisition. Intel CEO has warned that the global chip shortage affecting console production will likely last until 2024. The live showcase for the Dorito Pope Summer Game Fest is happening on the 9th of June. <laughs> Space MMO EVE Online is getting Microsoft Excel integration allowing users to sync play data into spreadsheets. Elder Ring and the Stanley Parable have both had VR mods in production and documentary YouTube channel Noclip has released an hour of unseen footage for Arcane's cancelled Half-Life game Ravenholm. Oh, I haven't watched that Ooh. footage. Well done, Swinney. Neither. You, Very well done. I thought you were it. gonna. I thought you were gonna fail. To be fair, when you That's when you got die. to a point where you said, "Oh, just whatever," I can't <laughs> even pronounce iOS. 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 No, iOS. People say iOS. Yeah, I know. I know. I said the iOS first, and I got. But he oh, hates. Shit. Did I say it wrong? Just go with I'm it. just shocked that you've spelt it correctly with the small i and I then you've, yes. you've just. Beat me down into sub- you beat me down into submission with bloody... No, I, I pointed out your hypocrisy with it. <laughs> I think that's what got you. I wonder you. if some... Mm. My, Maybe that was an autocorrect. My tweak to what you had, and I, I, I was going to change your words, and I thought, wow, that would be really evil to do that. Mm. Um, so I didn't, so you should appreciate that, Sweeney. But uh, I think it's interesting that with Xbox, with the cloud gaming thing, it's actually going to be free to play Fortnite. So anyone could just install cloud gaming Xbox on their iPhone and play Fortnite for free. I think that's super smart from Microsoft mm. and gets people I, into Xbox as an ecosystem. Mm. I just thought the biggest story was it coming back to iOS devices, so that's why I didn't it's pretty big, that yeah. in there. But it, that's cool. I mean, you don't need gold or anything to play these games now, but I think you still need it. I think you still need Game Pass to be able to play the cloud streaming part. Yeah, but so, this you yeah. don't. It's free. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I think that's, that's crazy to me. So... It's going to be really interesting to see how many people jump into that. And you know the EVE Online? I said, I thought that was a joke. I, I thought that was like they were just taking the piss when I saw yeah. the footage from it. But it's real. Yeah. And oh, uh, yeah. people, people, it's funny reading the Reddit reaction of people who aren't into EVE Online just being like, this is the most ridiculous announcement ever. But people love it in that community. So <laughs> it's... Um... Well, yeah, can... Stanley... Yeah, go. No, I was just going to say, just on the spreadsheet thing, like, to me, that would be helpful in many games where I like track stuff. Yeah. Like if it, if I could just direct, directly export Do the data, I'm like, game. oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. I'll be I, all that. I had a question for Mike. So yeah. I think, did you have the day before as one of your most anticipated games? I think it might have been, yeah. i asking, did you know that was an MMO? No. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So there goes I'm that. Sure, you know, I'm I don't sure even you... give a shit if it's delayed. <laughs> I'm sure you can probably play single player, but I just I'm like, oh, Mike anticipated but... was an MMO. Mm. That's interesting. Nah, that. That's out. One thing that I'd be curious to play through again, and I don't know what the so the Stanley the Stanley Parable um, is now on Switch as well, but the it's, new... it's an enhanced new ultimate. Yeah. Ultimate yeah so it's on a, on a new something. engine with new content and mm. with a lot yeah. of new content, supposedly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, definitely looking forward to playing that again. I actually need to boot the original one up to get my. Don't play it for five years achievement. Yeah. That's, ah. that's one of the achievements. Can't touch it for five years. It's, it's got to have been at least Did five years Did you ever go now. back to that game where you had to wait 800 days or whatever it was? No, I should go back 400 and see days? what happens now, actually. I think it's about point. time, right? It's about time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get into our last bit of the show, which is the All feature. Right. So Reggie Fils-Aimé, the ex-president of Nintendo of America, has released a new book called Disrupting the Game, From the Bronx to the Top of Nintendo. I have had the chance to check it out. 
what do I think of Reginator's story? So first I just wanted to start with what is this game? So uh, what is this game? What is game? this book? So yeah. Reggie, uh, president of Nintendo of America for 13 years and very much the face of Nintendo for the West. So my expectations of this book is like, okay, it's going to have like some cool focus on different Nintendo stories, bit of an autobiography. The reality of the book, though, and I'd known a little bit about his business past, is that, like almost, I'd say, a third of the book to almost half of the book is, you know, obviously his early life. He didn't labor that too much. But also the other business ventures that he's had post Nintendo and pre Nintendo. Like, there's a lot on that, mm-hmm. like Pizza Hut, Procter and Gamble, you know, how he got into uni, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then there's like 10 chapters on Nintendo. And it's a very short book. It's like only 224 pages. And the other part of it is I thought it was going to be more like an autobiography. Honestly, like this is a business book. Like, and that was the thing that like threw me the most. Like this is definitely a business book. Every time like he's going through his stories, he has sections and they're called so what sections. And it's just trying to crystallize the the story, his approaches, behaviors, etc., into you know like business principles or business advice. Do you think that's because this was written by him, wasn't it? Yes. So do you think that's just because he felt that that was more natural, like he could do that as opposed to writing like almost like a an actual autobiography? No, like it was a, like from what I understand, it was like an active choice. So um, I, I actually following listening to the books, so I read. Not read, but I, I don't even know what you say. Like, I hate saying read the audiobook. That doesn't sound right. So listen, listen to the audio book, yeah. um, which like, and I'll get to this later, but I think listening to the audio book is superior to reading it because there's a bonus part to the audio book where there's an interview, like an exclusive interview with Jeff Keighley. And there's some really like, like interesting nuggets in that exclusive part that have you know become stories and it's a slow news week so everyone's Plus writing he's reading it yeah he reads he's reading yeah he reads himself. it yeah which that, that would be really cool these days is like a non-negotiable like the author reads the book like that's just like part of the course now especially for these type of books but he said he like in interviews he said he wanted to write a business book he wanted to try to like give that mm, knowledge okay. to the next generation and things like that, which is cool. But mm. it just wasn't what I was anticipating. Like when I started listening to it, I'm like, oh, fuck, this is a business book. This is kind of weird. And weirdly enough for me, because I love business stuff, I love reading business books, and then I'm a huge Nintendo fan, you'd think it'd be like the perfect book for me, right? It definitely is on my alley, uh, but I'll sort of get to what I ultimately feel about it later. Um but yeah, I wanted to just call out some of the things that like I thought were really interesting in the book. So the the first is just he, he's he, he considers his biggest failure in Nintendo as being the launch price and the launch of the 3DS. So that being $249. So infamously, so this is more in America. I don't know if this happened in in Australia, Swinney. You'd have to Maybe if you Google it while we're chatting about it. But if they reduced, did the famous price reduction. Is well, they had this infamous thing that happened where they launched it, it didn't land the way they thought it was, right? Hmm. And they actually then decreased the price by 50 bucks within a year or something like that hmm. and created an ambassador program. So anyone who had bought it at full price would get, I think it was 10 Game Boy Advance games. And some of these games were never released ever. 
like on the 3DS or 3DS virtual console or any other mechanism. Like it was the only way you could ever get those games was through this program. And yeah, he, he viewed it as the biggest failure. And I'll kind of get into like it with my final thoughts later, but like he's a marketing guy. Like that's, he's always been a marketing guy. Like his whole career is about marketing and Nintendo of America is not, you know, the, the thrust of Nintendo. That's all in Japan. Like they make the games, they come up with the ideas for the system. Effectively Nintendo of America has like, and this book makes it clear. And this is why it was so cool reading it. Nintendo of America has no say over the next console or what they're doing. Like zero, like absolutely zero. Like, it was crazy to me to read that, you know, and it's through a story and it's the, the strongest chapter of the book, the first chapter of the book, right? About Satoru Awata, the former president, the fourth president of Nintendo who passed away while he was like serving as president. And effectively it was like two, he had a meeting with him and it was a bit of a weird meeting because he called him back to Japan. It was like, oh, okay, this is really weird. Like we, I was just in Japan a few months ago. This is super unusual. And he's like, look, I've got to tell you two things. Like one, my cancer's come back and, you know, we've got all this treatment for it, but you know, like it's serious. And then the second part is I want to show you this new thing that we're working on. And it, it was the switch. Right. But the thing is, this was like one year before they announced the switch. So, and you know, these things take three, four, five years. It's, to me, it's like incredible to hear the CEO of Nintendo America is not aware of what Nintendo Japan are planning to do and only gets looped in like a year before like they go to announce it. That's just phenomenal to me. That That's crazy given how, you know, how you have to do budgets and yeah. budget for the, the next financial year based on your strategy and the strategy of launching, launching a brand new console is pretty big, you know, yeah. that's wild. Yeah, and then the other part of it was, like, and I'm throwing things out there, like, just as I'm sort of talking about it is, and it just shows you about, like, the Japanese culture, and you're more aware of this when you, like, having studied Japanese and understanding the business culture a bit more than, like, a, I know nothing about it, but, you know, there's funny tidbits, like, you know, Reggie, and, you know, I work with very senior people at the the place that I work, but Ooh, whenever... Was close. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Reggie, when he would travel to Nintendo Japan... He would have to get a new login and password to log into the corporate Wi-Fi on his phone and laptop. Personally to him. And he would have to like wait in line, <laughs> go to the security, go, you know, these are my credentials. And they'd go, okay, you know, here's your password. Here's your username to log in. And he'd have to do that every time he visited Nintendo Japan to be able to log in. And he would plan around his day, go, okay, I've got to get there early on the first day because I need to be able to log in and check in wow. and everything. I'm like, fuck me. This guy is like, he to me, he is a bit of the face, or he was the face of Nintendo, even though it's like just the American arm. But <laughs> they don't trust him effectively. Right? You know what I think? I think... I think Reggie was the one behind the Nintendo Giga Leak. It was his revenge. He <laughs> was pissed. He was pissed. And then, like, the final bit of that is, like, there was this, basically, the, this top executive level uh, sessions that they would have. You know how you have, like, executive leadership teams, all this other kind of stuff, right? It was this special call that they would have with the global president and some of the executive vice presidents in Japan. 
And Reggie was never invited to that through his whole tenure. He, he, he actually tried to get invited to it through very, he's like, oh, you know, I get closer. It's better if I'm closer to what's happening. Like what's the next console that we're thinking of making? And he never got on it like all the way through. And yet wow. there was one guy who technically was a Nintendo Japan employee who, who'd worked in America for 25 years. I can't remember the guy's name. He's Japanese national. So Technically, a Nintendo Japan employee, but worked in the American yeah. office for 25 yeah. years. And he was in those calls, but he was like a level below Reggie officially in the... It's just like really like, like you know, and I, I'm a huge Nintendo fan and I love business. Like this kind of stuff Closely. to me was the best part of the book. It was like, oh. holy shit, this is so crazy. Like the machinations of how it works. I wonder if Reggie had to get the book vetted by Nintendo before release. Wow, yeah, like, dude, like, there's some stuff in the book I'm like, I don't feel like they would have approved this book, man. And even his comments about Nintendo of America, it's quite, like, aggressive. Like, he, you know, because obviously you've got the whole labor union and, you know, labor disputes happening with Nintendo now, right? Yeah. And some of his commentary is pretty... I don't know, pretty stark, to be honest. You know, he's like, he said like some not, stuff like, that's not the Nintendo that I was, yeah, I yeah. left. I was like, ooh, that's like not really what you'd be saying with uh, a place that would want you back. You know? It's generally regarding like contractor, contractors and things, isn't it? And yeah, I mean, that's a whole nother story, but it's yeah. basically like, effectively, there's like two Nintendos. There's Nintendo of America employees and then there's contractors. They call them associates there. And they're not, allowed to go into the facilities and all they don't even get wi-fi passwords (laughs) well yeah they definitely wouldn't um but they're just contractors right because they're for qa and translation and sort of like they're not i guess but where i work contractors literally have exactly the same everything as a normal employee where i work they don't like they don't even get they're not even allowed to have phones like Uh they have to bring their own phones so yeah it's interesting how the different companies do it but um yeah, like, it, it it really gives you an insight to go, wow, okay. Like, obviously, he's hooked into the most senior people in Nintendo, but then it just shows, like, Nintendo is so Japanese and they're just, they're dominating the company and, like, what they want to do and where they think, you know, the important ideas are. And it will definitely shape my view on Nintendo and kind of, like, trying to guess what they're going to do because it does show they do not care about the American market specifically. Even though the American market is where they make most of their money, they're all all their ideas are from a Japanese perspective. It's very fascinating. And you know, Seems even when he, even when he joined the company, he was sort of reflecting, hey, look, I, you know, played video games all my life. I love the Super Nintendo. And then, you know, when he joined, he had an Xbox and a PlayStation 2, but he didn't have a GameCube. Mm. And he's like saying, like, this is a problem. Like and, you know, uh, the Nintendo at the time were like, yeah, no, like, we get that, but we don't really look at other companies. Like, we just do our thing. And we don't focus on what they do or what they think works. And you can see this through games like Splatoon, where it genuinely feels like they have not looked at how any other multiplayer shooter works and the lobbies and everything like mm. that. Like, they're, it's almost like they're trying to invent it themselves, like, <laughs> as they go. Do Does he talk at all about the launch and, like, that, the whole Wii U thing. Does he talk about that? Yeah. So, like, he was there from, like, 2004. So, effectively, he talks about the launch of the DS, the Wii, the Wii U, the Switch, the 3DS, 
the DS because he was there around that time. And also this little bad boy, I'll go back to the Wii U. This the little micro, device, yeah. the Game Boy Micro, which I love. I didn't, I didn't know you had a Micro. Yeah, of course I, I should have remembered. So. And he hates this thing. <laughs> he not only didn't want to launch it in America, he actually said we should just cancel the project globally. Why? Look, like this didn't sell. Like he's ultimately you, right. You, he's ultimately Have you seen correct. his hands, man? He couldn't hold. Maybe that's why. I've got mm. small hands, and look at it. It looks small in my hand. <laughs> so, mm. The only thing smaller is the bloody Game Gear Mini thing that they made. The keychain game. Yeah, Gear. yeah. But like for Mike, it would be the equivalent of like this, <laughs> like holding it like that. <laughs> that's what Reggie looks like when he's trying to hold it. It's like ridiculous. So yeah, no, he was just saying it's impossible to hold for like a regular sized person. I've played a lot of games on this. I've got small hands, and it's like I I feel like it's small, right? So mm, for someone who had damn. hands like you know, uh, Mike size hands or Reggie size hands, and Reggie's a big dude, like big big dude, like six foot five or something like he's that. Restless, he's restless. He's restless size. <laughs> yeah, he, he's restless. Would have been a wrestler if he wasn't president. Of he's never the shortest person. He's well, always I, the I, tallest. I heard an excerpt that like. He he's been mistaken for bodyguards at Nintendo events by like staff and things. So. Yeah, and look, I know I'm going all over the place. Well, security, this I should say, not bodyguard security. Yeah, so that was actually one of the f- that was the first that was when he he came out and said, you know, I'm here to take names and kick ass and you know mm. make games and all that gun. kind of stuff, right? That was so no one knew who he was. So when he mm. walked into E3, I think it was E3. I can't recall if it was E3 or GDC, but it was an event like that. When he walked in, he just walked straight through, like in all the like right past the media. No one asked him a question. Nice. Like, the, the president of Nintendo, and he was just like, no one knew him at that time, right? Mm. And like, I'll just put my cards on the table here. I never thought of Reggie as a black guy, but this book, he's Next. like, no, but like, I, I don't know. I just never thought of him as a black guy, right? But he is like all the way through the book, like as a black man, you know, as the first black president of Nintendo and all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, that's really interesting. Like, I know, like, I'm just putting my card, putting the cards on the table. I never thought of him as a black guy. It must have been, I don't really think a lot about people's races, but hmm. it, it just was a bit stuck when I read that. And yeah, he was kind of saying, and I like, it's interesting the commentary from him, but with that anecdote about someone thinking he was a guard, because Effectively, he was just like looking at the show floor, Nintendo setting up, and then some Nintendo employee turned to him and goes, look, I've got credentials, like, you know, I'm meant to be here. And he's like, oh, no, I'm just like observing, like, I'm not a security guard. And he's like, oh, what does that say about people that they think a black guy is a security guard and he couldn't be an executive? But then I'm well, kind I of a bit like... He's I think it's because he's a six foot five. <laughs> yeah, I like... kind of agree. He's like a big dude who's watching everyone doing stuff, right? Without any credentials himself. Mm. I'm mm. like, mm, I kind of get that. Um, so, yeah, no, with the Wii U, and this is like, I'll, I'll dive into a little bit of my thoughts on the book. He, like, he's a marketing guy. So he, he, I feel like it's not very brutally honest, the book. Mm-hmm. You know, everything that he is able to spin and that went well, it's like, okay, that's Reggie who solved that, right? Like the classic story is because Japan, they didn't put Wii Sports into the Wii bundle. Like that didn't happen in Japan. You bought the Wii and you bought Wii Sports. And the Wii was popular in Japan, but it wasn't like in the West where it was bundled and, you know, 
parents, grandparents, everyone would play it. They'd get it straight away, right? And that was 100% Reggie pushing that. And everyone admits that, right? So, you know, big win, everything like that. But with the Wii U, he doesn't really criticize, like he doesn't call out anything of his failings with the Wii U. It sort of just says, you know, it released and then we had to do like console bundles straight away and then we had to do special edition consoles. And we all knew within a year, it's like, that's not a good sign, right? Mm. And the inventory is building up. They killed the white Wii U, which is a smaller eight gigabyte model. And they just knew, like, we'd need to bring out a new uh, console. The other thing that they said, and I don't know if this has ever been confirmed, and this is kind of going into what you're saying, Swinney. I definitely don't think this book was approved by Nintendo, but it would have been like, that he would have had lawyers vetting it to make sure that they can defend things and it's not commercial yeah, secrets. Yeah. But he said they decided to delay Breath of the Wild to coincide with the Switch. Now, I mean, it released on day one, the Switch released with the Wii U. It's like kind of like, duh, that's obvious. But the way he wrote it, it felt like maybe that game could have come out like a year before or even earlier. Because he, he said in the book that game was slated and they felt like it would be ready by like 2014. And it came out in 2017. I'm like, fuck man do they like if they delay that game by a year and a half like as you know you're a Wii U owner when it was live Hmm. that's pretty dirty like that's pretty dirty because they also remove features from the Wii U version of that game yeah and I look I mean at that point you got to start making decisions around your new stuff because well exactly and that's the kind of game that sells the console so yeah no I get it from a business point of view but like as as the 15 million people who bought a Wii U like, you'd be filthy about it, right? But, like, mm-hmm. where I was a bit frustrated with the book and, like, getting back to the Wii part is that... Like, sorry, the Wii U part is, for me... And I remember having this conversation with you, Swinney. The Wii U was marketed really poorly along with being a bit of a complicated system, right? Mm, horribly. I said at the time, like, I, I wasn't really, like, super switched on with gaming. I know what a Wii was, but I literally didn't know what a Wii U was. Yeah. And... When you spoke to me about it, I'm like, what the fuck is a Wii U? Is that like a, a, a gamepad accessory to the Wii? Like, is this, you buy this gamepad thing and it connects to the Wii? Like, I literally didn't have a clue about it. I feel like that is like the name. Like, I've never been like, oh, the, the Wii, what a stupid name, right? Like, even, he actually writes about that in the book as well. It's like, oh, we knew people were going to make fun of the name, but we like the name, so we went with it. But I feel like the Wii U is just a shit name. Like, hmm. it doesn't, like, even if it was called Wii 2, like, I feel like someone like me who wasn't, like, super into it, I'd know. Okay, this is, like, uh, the next Wii. It's like what PlayStation, about Wii two. with two more eyes, the Roman numeral <laughs> 2, so it's Wii. <laughs> Wii. <laughs> but again, like, in the book, he doesn't, he doesn't at all call out anything that he did wrong in that space. Hmm. And I'm like, dude, wow. you're, like, you're the head of marketing, you're the head of, like... Nintendo of America, you could have called it something different. Like they, I think they would have had the ability to do that and they didn't. So Mm. I feel like that's the biggest failing of the whole book. It's like Nintendo made a lot of like errors in the time that he ran it. I think they did a lot more good than they did wrong, but on balance, the book does not really cover the bad stuff at all. Like it's, it's very positive to what he's done and very kind of like, I wanted it to be priced at one ninety nine, the 3DS, but Nintendo Japan forced me to do two forty nine, and then we had to reverse, and that was my biggest failure. But I'm like, 
But you've just spent a whole bunch of time talking about how you didn't want it to be priced at two forty nine. Yeah, so. but I mean, you know, going back to the part where he wasn't even allowed to go to their 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 meetings at, yeah. at a top level, That's and going back right? to the part where they were trickling information way too late, it seems like Nintendo controlled everything. That Nintendo he was almost—I wouldn't call him a puppet in that sense because he wasn't nothing well, <laughs> like that. But we're just going back to this. Like he was at had. the company when they released the Game Boy Micro, right? He didn't know about the Game Boy Micro until about three months before it launched. Hmm. Like, he didn't actually know what it was. So what's his role in the end? You know what I mean? He runs the company, but he doesn't really run the company. He he runs the American marketing arm of the company. Yeah, but this this literal little handout that I love, Hmm. and I want to get the the, uh, Famicom faceplates when I'm in Japan, but because you can actually remove the faceplates of this mic. Ah, cool. Um, So... This triggered a whole bunch of change at Nintendo of America because he, like, reflected. It's like, how ridiculous is it that I don't know about this fucking handheld Mm. that, by the way, it's priced so expensively (laughs) and the DS was out. It's like, what are we trying to do here? We've got the Game Boy Advance (laughs) and then we've got the DS. It's like, it doesn't make any sense, like, from a strategy point of view. Mm. I remember everyone was confused when it was announced as well. Yeah, and also you lose stuff with this. Like, you can't play Game Boy games. Like, I think this is the only Game Boy event you can't play Game Boy games. So it's just, all, like, really weird. All I know is that I definitely miss Reggie as the face of, like, Western Nintendo. Yeah. Um, Doug Bowser seems like a decent a dude, but Reggie just felt like he had that connection with the community. And, you know, you look at, obviously, and this, Iwata was the same as well. But yeah. Just, it feels... Everything that Nintendo do publicly now with their presentations feel way more disconnected than they ever were. Um, and they're in a great position financially, business-wise, and they're killing it. But I think as a fan and as a fan that's grown up with Nintendo, it definitely doesn't feel the same. Yeah, I think... And he was a huge driver of that. He didn't actually... Disappointingly, he didn't talk much about like Nintendo Direct. Like I was kind of hoping he'd have a bit more verbatim on Nintendo Direct, but he talked around it, like around the strategy of, you know, wanting to get people excited about things that are coming up, where they're at right now, you know, engaging with the fan base. He did speak about, you know, pre-E3, like let's put a presentation together, put it out there. You know what I mean? Like, so he's like, they totally changed the game in that space and everyone has finally caught up and copied them. And we'll see how Xbox does because they're like presentations like a month away for Bethesda and Microsoft, I think. Um, we yep, called it out close. in your one minute for the swing. But um, yeah, the only, like just going back to our water and him. So the guy who's actually the current global president of Nintendo that I wouldn't remember his name if if I had a bet. And I'm like, we're following this stuff day to day. I don't know if you remember his name. I was trying to think of it earlier and I'm like, I cannot remember Yeah, it's crazy, name. right? Furukawa, right? So he's, uh, yeah. he's from the Pokemon side and then jumped in. I think you're on mute, Mike, by the way. Um, so I was saying, because cool, Reggie's a cool name. I was kind of thinking of it's just like letting that run Reggie. for the rest of the show. You should have just let it run, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so, no, no, Reggie is the global... It's a cool sorry, name. Reggie was a president of Nintendo America, but this is the global head. This is like the Japanese head, yeah, Furukawa. Yeah. But again, going into how weird the company is, like when Iwata was like, you know, like ultimately dying and Reggie wanted to visit him, like in hospital, and they're like, this doesn't happen in Japanese culture. This is like super taboo, right? You just can't visit 
someone you work with. Only friends visit people who are dying or sick, right? Okay. And then he eventually just kept on pushing, 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 and it was like, eventually it was decided he's visiting as a friend. That's how they accepted it, right? But the crazy thing about it is the person who coordinated all of this and was like the person organizing the trip for Reggie and everything like that was Furukawa. Like it wasn't some mm. other person. It was like literally Furukawa, who's now the current global president. He's like negotiating with Reggie, like what he's allowed to do or come and go see him. And then he was like pissed with him a bit. So Furukawa is like a really native English speaker, basically, because he spent a whole t- bunch of time in Europe. So he's one of the few Nintendo Japan execs who would just speak in English to the English execs, whereas Awada speaks English, but he would always still have a Japanese translator. And and Reggie said in the book, he's like, I think he did that. So then he got extra time to think of like a response (laughs) or an answer. So he'd hear it in English and then hear it in Japanese. It's like, okay, I've got double the time now to respond. But yeah, Furukawa, it's like, he was actually a bit pissed at Reggie effectively. He's like, because you've done this... And people have heard about it. You now have dishonored other, our company. No, it's more that other senior Japan execs have now visited. No, everyone wants yeah. to go visit him. <laughs> he's like, oh my God. he's like, this is very, this is unacceptable, <laughs> like to happen. So, yeah, very like, it, look, it's a super fascinating book. That you know, I just want to shout out like the whole Mother Three thing. Like, I know that the news has already come out, but it's only in the audio book, which is kind of like you'd be pissed if you bought the book, but. In the audio book, they've got the extra interview with Jeff Keighley and Reggie, and they talk about Mother 3, and he's, and again, this, there's no way this was, like, vetted by Nintendo or, like, approved by them, but he's like, yeah, they came really close. They did Earthbound Beginnings. Now, they already had that translated, by the way, so, but they'd never released it in the West, so they released that on the virtual console, and they were discussing, yeah, do we just translate Mother 3? Like, we always get bothered about it. And it got back to <laughs> them saying, well, Earthbound didn't sell in America when it came out, so there's just not much interest for Mother 3. <laughs> like, this is like, they're so Japanese. <laughs> it's so Japanese. Damn. It's, it's a PR gain. It's not a financial but, gain. Come but on. This is why I kind of love about Nintendo, their insanity, that they're literally going back to, like, 1995, of course, 1995 to say, well, the sales in 1995 of <laughs> yeah. in, in America were not strong, so we do not want to translate the game in like 2015. <laughs> like, it's so Nintendo. It's so funny. It's so odd. And also, by the way, people have done like fan translations. Like, Nintendo. Amazing fan translations. Nintendo is like the last company in the world to ever do this, but they genuinely could easily contact those people. But there's a there's a set list of people. It's not like a million people. They could just go to those people and go, we'll give you some royalties for this. You've done a great job and you'll be in the credits and can we take your translation? So, you know, the cost would be... Like, they could make the cost, like, literally Minimal. 50 grand, right? Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Hmm. And make a mozza on this game. Just release it digitally. I mean, like, let's be real, Sweeney. If they release, like, a special edition for, like, $499 of Mother 3... That people would buy it. Like, I'm not saying it would sell like millions, but they could make oh, a, a bit of money on this game. It's got to have scratch and sniff things. <laughs> yeah, true, true. In an oversized box, right? But mm. it's just, it's so Nintendo. It's, and this book, you know, the best part of it is that it sort of, you know, highlights that. So, yeah, just getting to my overall thoughts. Look, it's a short book, it's like 224 pages. So, it never overstays its welcome. 
Uh, but for me, it never really like has a killer punch or there's nothing really kind of like massively like, oh my God, that's such a good insight. Because I like the business side of things. And honestly, all the business stuff is super generic. It's like so fucking generic. Like it feels like read a hundred business books and it's just regurgitating. It doesn't have a specific lens to things. Like he even talks about really great business books like Blue Ocean Strategy, Innovator's Dilemma, some of these books. But they have like a very interesting theme. Like you need to look for a blue ocean versus a red ocean. Red ocean is lo- lots of sharks in the water, lots of blood. You need to go for the blue ocean where there's no I sharks and dominate in that space, right? Interesting business idea. But this book, there's kind of like no thread to it. It's just random shit of like be accountable, you know, make sure people understand what they need to do listen to people, but then be tough if you need to. It's like, fuck, this is just like super generic advice that you would like see generated in like some kind of like YouTube clip. Um, Speaking of YouTube clips, I don't know if you noticed or it's just on my screen, but when you said it's got no, what did you say, specific lens or something? Punch or... You went out of focus. Oh, because I put my hand up. I think your camera is set of autofocus, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Good timing. (laughs) Um, But like... What I'll do now is I'll I'll characterize this as how could I rate this book if it was a Nintendo console, right? So this is a bit different way to do it. Okay. This book is not a Nintendo Switch or a Super Nintendo, right? Where just like absolute bangers, like every chapter is awesome and everything like that. I would put this book as a Nintendo 64. And I've thought about but, this and why, right? Okay, just a quick question though. What are you... Have, are there other Nintendo books to compare it against? How, how does the comparison work relative <laughs> to what? I don't, I don't get it. Are you kind of saying like Switch is a really good console and I don't know, that thing you just showed me is a really shit console? That's the scale? I'm like, I don't know what can the I, scale I is. I don't, know what, I don't know what a good console is for Nintendo. Is this, what is this is a weird thing to say or is this like Micah uh, an idiot? I, I think Intercot should finish his thought. Okay. But do you understand what I'm saying, Sweeney? I don't want to... Yeah, I'm a little confused because I like oh, okay. more than Switch, but I know That's what, what I mean. I know what I'm saying. confused. What's I know good, what's bad. I know what you're saying. Yeah, I, I, like, when I was even thinking of this, I was like, <laughs> the one thing is Sweeney's an asshole and goes, yeah, but I really love the 64. <laughs> yeah. I do. I do. What, I, what I would say is that this is like the Nintendo 64, right? So just like this book, okay. the Nintendo 64 is punctuated with games that are like, games that you legitimately could say are the best game of all time. I could mount an argument, Mario 64 is the best game of all time. Ocarina of Time is the best game of all time. There's multiple games where you go, these are just 10 out of 10, 100 out of 100 games potentially, right? And there's like one third of the console that is full of racing games, right? That are, <laughs> and arcade games, right? And that is shit, right? Gotcha, gotcha. And there's okay. big flaws in the, the, the library, like 2D games, kind of shit on the console, No right? RPGs. No RPGs. There's like... <laughs> a game called like what is it hero quest or whatever rpg that's shit quest no it's quest 64 quest 64 that's right quest 64 and that's what i think about the book that there's this like i could literally say to you sweaty because i know you'd be maybe on the fence of reading this i'm like read chapter one read chapter blog read chapter that and you get the most out of the book right because okay. there's just like a lot of stuff in there that's like racing games and I'm like, uh, this is like, I don't really need this. Like, it's not brilliant advice. It's not super interesting. It feels like Reggie patting himself on the back a little bit. Um, so it's the Top Gear rally of yes. business 
yes. or, and video games. It's not the V-Dub racing. Okay. It's, yeah, just the generic. Yeah, so look, and, and if you take that attitude, I think you'll be fine. Like, if you're a Nintendo fan... Yeah, I think it's worth a read. And you can you know what chapters are just the Nintendo chapters. I'd kind of almost say skip the other chapters. But if it's for business, I definitely wouldn't rate this book as a business book. There's no like clear thread of, you know, like, you know, or idea. There's no idea in this book. It's just generic advice, which I don't understand why he structured it like that personally. So, but ultimately, I like the book, Nintendo 64. I like that console. It's like sitting over there, I think, right now. So it's not like I hate it or anything, but yeah, I, I'm sure no one on the internet has said that disrupting the game is the Nintendo 64 <laughs> equivalent of consoles. So no, that's a that's a unique take, and thank you for that review. It's uh, I know it's everyone out there has been like, oh, this is just the highlights, and not talking about what is the overall experience mm. of the book that I've you know like they're obviously news web video game news websites. That's what they do you get the headline but it's good to hear the actual thing as a whole no oh, cool awesome nice. so we are now in the Thanks outro what what are we doing next week what's the next week's show Swinny? i don't know mike's doing a tier list aren't you what <laughs> what would you do a tier list on mike what could you do a tier list on you know, there's people out there to do tier lists, and they don't have to play every single game in something. <laughs> no, I know to that. Rank but it. that's all. That's just a veiled I... insult to me. At the <laughs> moment, <laughs> I seem to be doing a tier list of games I started playing, but never did more than thirty minutes. No, which which of which games have I only played for thirty minutes that I like the most? I, I can't I, really do a tier list. I don't have a a thing, a genre, or anything that I really I want to see you do a pornographic Tetris tier list, because there's enough of <laughs> them out there to do a tier list. I guess there are, but I've only really played two or three, so... Well, that's why you got to do some research, you know. This would have to be uh, for a Patreon oh, <laughs> exclusive no. episode. This is not something that would go live on YouTube. <laughs> no. I, and it'd have to be something that I don't have to spend two weeks playing those games again for, because I just don't have the time. All so right. it'd have to be... Anyway, we'll so see. The, the news is quite light, so maybe next week, Swinny, we could be doing oh. your Final Fantasy tier list, mm. Battle System tier list. But who knows maybe. what happens. Maybe something big maybe. happens during the week. It's uh, gonna. I, I mentioned it's going to be a bit, of a, a bit of a feature, maybe 40, 50 minutes. So, yeah, I'd like to be able to do it next week, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, and then also Game of Summer the year. Like, we've got to decide now that we've bumped yeah. Earthbound and pushed... Warcraft 2. Warcraft 2. Are we yeah. just going to cover that? Uh, yeah, I'd want a little bit more than a week to... Yeah, definitely more than a week, play, yeah. Play that. Even though I've, I've played it, it's been like... God, I played it in the late 90s, so... Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but, yeah. All right. It's not like you can watch a YouTube narrative recap on Warcraft. Or that's true. All right, with that, we'll say bye-bye. Ciao, peeps. See ya.